I was laying in my bed and it was like a thunderstorm and I rolled over and I don't know, I want to say like maybe 10, I don't know, in dream time, I don't know what time it was. I know I was like woke up like violently from my sleep, like gagging. I'm like, what the fuck is that smell? So I'm like, what is that? So I'm like, I'm like, did I shit on myself? <laughs> so I, I checked my situation. I'm good. So I'm like, what's happening in here? So I'm walking around the house sniffing everything. I can't smell nothing. I'm like, all right. So I lay that down again. Wake up. Can't throw locked up. Can't smell. I'm like, what is that smell? So now I'm like, something's an idiot. So <laughs> I'm looking all over the house. I done looked under the bed. I had a futon. I didn't even have a bed. I looked under the futon. Nothing. Some said, pull the blanket back. So I pull my blanket because when I like when I sleep, I roll up in the blanket. Mm-hmm. So I throw the blanket back. So when I when I'm waking up, I'm unrolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the blanket is unfurled. Mm-hmm. So I pull the blanket back. It's a huge like shit smear on the blanket because the storm, the cat is laying up under me, and I rolled over and literally squeezed the shit out of this cat. <laughs> and. I couldn't even really be mad at the cat. I was just like, I was mad at myself for having a cat. Like, if I did not have you here, this would not have happened. So, it's like, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning. I got to be at work in the morning. I'm tired. I'm like, yo, I how am I going back to sleep in this shitty situation? So, I went in the kitchen. I got a knife. And I cut that part of the futon out and I put it in the trash bag with the blanket and threw it outside in the front, you know, in the trash. And then I just got another blanket and went to sleep. That was Missouri in a nutshell. <laughs> Welcome to the Small Talk Big Names podcast with your host, Niger. The show where I introduce you to big names, big ideas, and big lessons in the amount of time it will take you to get through Atlanta traffic. Guests will share with us their detours in life and decisions to follow roads less traveled. So if you have a moment, let's get into some small talk. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Small Talk Big Names. Listen, I am so excited to sit today with one of the Southeast premier videographers, cinematographers, content creators, but more importantly, one of my closest best friends. I want to introduce to you all who I lovingly call Spike Alicious. I want to introduce to you Spike Spielberg. Spike, Uh, say something. Hello. How's everybody doing? First thing I want to get out of the way is she's putting a lot of sauce on that. I'm not the greatest videographer in the Southeast. Mm, I don't, don't think it's up to you to say that. Don't, don't oversell me. Like, oh. Let me undersell me so I can overdeliver. Oh, That's so my you're, motto. So you're just a guy with a really great phone who thinks that you're a videographer. And then you go online and post up things like three ways to get her to say yes. Or three ways to make Kool-Aid. Or how not to burn the hot dogs. You want to be that guy? You remember not long ago 
being a videographer, you couldn't be a videographer with a phone. You was just a creep. That was kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah. Right now, phones have become pretty uh, acceptable as a tool in this business. But Aren't that was a time. Like, if I mean, you, would, would you show up to a client with a, let's say, a $10,000 budget? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, so what, what budget would you show up to with your phone? I don't really feel like it's showing up. I feel like uh, if they're paying me to create something. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If they're paying you to create content for their social media mm-hmm. or content for whatever, the quality of phone today, you could get away with that. Like, uh, because the, the person's never going to watch it bigger than the phone, right? It's never going to be seen on the TV. Mm-hmm. And these phones will shoot 4K, mm-hmm. uh, 60 frames a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I what feel about- like your only real issue will probably be editing. That probably would be a concern. But they had these, like, info edit. The point that I'm making is, like, now I'm getting all technical. <laughs> the point that I'm making is that, yeah, you could make some, I mean, you could. I don't, but you could. And uh, I am not. I, I, I prefer to undersell and over-deliver than oversell and regular deliver. Did you say regular deliver? Yeah, because I never under-deliver. Oh, it's yeah. just re- standard delivery. My standard delivery is okay. out, it's over. So so your your standard is really like next day. It's like next day delivery as opposed to everyone else's standard is five to seven days. No. No, I'm trying to you like, use like a post office reference. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like that's a good place, but I'll go with it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. I don't like to toot my own horn. I'll just say that. I, I like to, I like what I do uh, for the most part. Um, I feel like, if I'm being 100% honest, yeah. I don't really feel like I can say that because there are people out there who really love shooting video and editing video and creating content. I don't really love it. I feel like it's something I do to make money. Like, I, if I have to be 100% honest, yeah. I'm not out here... Uh, I have not drank the tea or the Kool Aid or whatever it is. Like, it, if, if I had, if I had to be one hundred percent honest, it's something that I learned how to do when I was younger, and I made money doing it. So I'm, I still know how to do it. Like, I'm not. Mm. I think when I was younger, it definitely was more of a passion for mm-hmm. me, like art. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I enjoyed the the act of creating, mm-hmm. but once it became work, it it's work. Mm. So like, okay. I, like if. Not to get too deep too yeah, early, but yeah. for young creatives out there, man, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Uh, it's definitely a fine line. Yeah. Because there was a time when I would have loved nothing better than to shoot something and edit something and create something. And now it's like the the rigmarole mm-hmm. of just like corporate America has for all for all intents and purposes like stripped that love from me. Mm-hmm. Whether that's permanent or temporary, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's why I have uh, the YouTube channel that I started because mm-hmm. I want to like begin to get that feeling back, like yeah. to get that love for creating back. And I feel like you can only get that by creating for the purpose of creating. Because when it's when once you put a price tag on it, it gets it gets weird. It's work. Yeah. yeah. It's, and 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 it's yeah because then it's I feel like true creativity is uncontrolled. Like when you're like, you know, no rules. just hey, give me. I feel like uh, the people who do Geico's commercials, whatever agency does Geico commercials, I feel like Geico, whoever is hiring them, is saying to them, hey, just give me something that people will remember. Yeah. And I feel like 
a lot of companies don't. A lot of companies are like, we want this, and they make this box. And they kind of they... limit creatives, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of organizations, yeah. And once you put a dollar sign on that, yeah, now you gotta it's, give them yeah, you got to give them what they want. Yeah. And I've been in situations where what they wanted was like, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why would you want this? <laughs> like, you could easily like, I'm doing something on Monday. Yeah, that I went to a meeting yesterday and. They were very clear about what they wanted. I made some suggestions to kind of jazz it up a bit, but they were adamant, like, nah, we want this. And I was like, I mean, what am I supposed to do? So, Spike, I just want to clear up. You you do, now, as as your best friend, I, I know you pretty well, right? And I recognize that, I hear what you're saying when you start to, when there's dollars attached and you have clients who believe that they are the director or they are they have they're the producer they're the videographer it does take it diminishes your creative right and that's when it goes into work t- territory but i do think when it comes to your original content that's what you're in love with that's what leads you to continue to invest at the rate and at the level that you are would you disagree with that I would uh I would agree, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There is a love. There is. I mean, like you're lighting up right now. You're like blushing as if, you know, it's the second date and you really like him, but you don't want, you know, you really yeah, like her. Right, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not you, Spike. But you you know, you really like her and you want her to know, but you really don't want her to know because you gotta play, you know, that tough guy. That's where you are. You're still you're still courting content. And it feels great. And your stuff is amazing. Your original content work is amazing. When you do your family, a lot of people have family vacation videos, right? Where they're like, yeah, we saw this, we saw this, we saw that. You give us bite-sized views of an entire weekend with your family, and everyone's like, oh, my God, is this a tourism commercial? And you know what's funny? And no one's paying you for that. You know what's funny? Um, Again, I have to be super honest. I feel like I understand like us making this like me being here talking to you, I understand the purpose of this, mm-hmm. but I still feel like I got to be honest. Yeah. Um, what you just said is absolutely right. There yeah. was a time where I would go on vacation and just take a camera, and I would come back with stuff that would be like, "Oh, I, I can make, I can make money off." Like, yeah. I, like not even that I could make money. Those videos have made me money. Like, and yeah. I, I've posted those videos. People call me and hire me for stuff. Yeah. And now I can. I, if I have to be one hundred percent honest, I don't even take a camera on video on vacation with me no more because I I'm like. It's work. I don't want to look at it. I don't want anything to do with it unless I'm getting paid. And okay, that part is yeah. sad to me. I'm like, man, it's like your best friend. Yeah, like my best friend don't don't really want to hang out with me no more. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's why I was like, uh, I'm sort of excited about this YouTube thing. It's super simple. It's not a lot, but I feel like what it does is create a space to create. Like you could say, okay, I'm gonna make a video every week, and that'll get your brain working in the video every week realm right so you're thinking like i need to create something every week yeah you start off with low-hanging fruit and then as you get more comfortable you're like okay well i want to do this right i want to do this right and that's what it is for me yeah but yeah at this juncture yeah uh oh great word yeah i've been known to drop one or two there you go one or two that was one you got one Uh, more to go yeah at this juncture i don't know man it's it's a real thing yeah i feel like i feel like if you're a real creative I want to say a real creative. If you're a creative person, because that's like real. And it's, this word creative is kind of becoming, it's becoming so cliche, right? 
Like if this is your thing, I don't because know. you may not be a creative, you may be more on the technical side, but you want to make sure that people that that what people are putting out the audio quality is strong. That isn't necessarily, you know, if you're technical, do people consider you to be creative? I feel like a technical person probably would identify. Like somebody technical in that arena would probably feel like they're a creative person. Because I feel like it's not just a run-of-the-mill situation. Like you, like, yeah. I'm sure a sound engineer could just press some buttons and make you sound better. But I also feel like when you listen to music, you could tell yeah, that's that there's true. some art to how they deliver. That's art. How they that's true. are uh, manipulating mm-hmm. the, the the vocals mm-hmm. to give you the feeling you feel. Not just them, not just the person singing, but the person who's making their voice mm-hmm. sound like. So, yeah, I would say they're creative, too. And, I, I, and like I was saying, I feel like if you're a real creative, then not even because I don't like to say real. Yeah. Because that's like so not. But if you're creative and then you know that there are times where you're like, man, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Like, like, I, like, and that's the that's the part that I think is crazy that as people who create things, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but just as people, fuck the creative shit. Mm-hmm. I'm, oop, can I curse? Um, audience, this is the first episode on Small Talk Big Names <laughs> that's going to be labeled as explicit. I should have said that at the onset. I do apologize. Please continue. Yeah, it's going to be explicit. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Um, real creatives. We don't use real creatives. I don't use real because yeah. I feel like I don't use real because people are like, I'm a real nigga. What the mm-hmm. fuck is that? Yeah. Like, I'm a real creative. Man, you just creative. Yeah. Like, that real shit. I don't understand that. Like, like a guy saying I'm an, I'm an independent man. What? I don't know. There's some house niggas out here now. No, no. Oh, so, oh, well, you know what? Let me stop. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. It's some home cats out here there's some house cats out here homebound yeah there's some dudes who like my man his wife makes a, a gang of bread and he's house he's a, i don't want to call him a house cat because he's my man but yeah. he's a dude who manages the house he gets but, the kids ready for school in the morning yeah he take them to school he does the grocery shopping he makes the dinners like he is that part of they their thing. partner man, their he's that part of the partnership yeah so, yeah i don't know i mean i don't know how we got into that but yeah <laughs> We were talking about creatives and creating, but like I was saying, it's like I, I feel like every person that creates, there's a moment, there are moments of doubts, and I think it's yeah. And oh, that's what I'm saying. I feel like the human problem is that we don't convey like the reality of our lives with each other. Like we, you know, mm. I don't know about other people, but as mm-hmm. black people, you're raised. I don't care how bad it is. You fuck when you leave this house, you put your you put your game face on mm-hmm. and you're ready to go out and you handle it. People mm-hmm. don't need to know what's happening in the house. Yeah, that's right. what's happening at the crib. Mm-hmm. So I think that creates this atmosphere where uh we out here thinking that we're the only ones fucking up. Mm-hmm. So you create the space where it's like everybody's out in the world living with their best face on, but we all out here to some degree on some fuck shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we knew that we're playing a part, right? If we knew that mm-hmm. about each other, mm-hmm. I feel like life would be like you'll we'll be better off. I feel like, like mentally you would. Some of the stress would be gone. I'll give you a perfect example. I remember when I was a younger man, one of the first times I ever got paid for video, I got beat out of 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was crushed. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I felt like the dumbest person alive. Was that the budget? That was what you were charging your client? Or that was a portion of it? Uh, I feel like that was the back end payment. And okay. I didn't have a contract. It was like some hood shit. Okay. It was definitely not yeah. that level. So. I didn't get my 500 bucks, and I felt terrible about it. I felt like such an asshole and a loser because I didn't uh, get them to sign a contract. Okay. I probably didn't even get to get a deposit. I probably that probably was the money for the video. That probably was that. I probably that probably wasn't even a back end payment. It probably was upfront. Okay. I just didn't know no better. Yeah. 
And like, I would say maybe a week or two later, I was talking to my cousin and he was telling me how he fucked up $5,000. And I immediately felt better about my $500. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like anecdotal and funny, but that's life. Like if you knew that your neighbors is fumbling payments the same way you are instead of trying to put this front up, because that's what people do, man. Like people like, uh, I'd say 90% of the human condition is appearing to be normal. Well, it's self-preservation, right? Like you're trying to preserve the image that you've portrayed to others consistently. But it's the same thing when people say, if you think you have a bad listen, you know, let's hear someone else's story. Yeah. It's exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's something about that, right? It almost is like competition of the stupid. It's, uh, what do they call it? Oppression Olympics. That's what they call it. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. It's like my yours yours is worse than mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Jewish people and black people do that. Like, oh, we, we, we was da 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 da. Like, <laughs> we was all fucked. <laughs> we 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 all were corrupted. Like yeah. we were all taken advantage of. Yeah, and right? I feel like as people, yeah, that's what we need to understand. Like we're all out here. <coughs> even even the one percent that control, like I don't want to get all conspiracy there, sure. but the one percent with with the ninety nine percent of the wealth, their problems may be different, but they got problems just like we got. Yeah. Like we all have issues and I feel like if that's on the table and this 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 uh mirage of perfect of perfection that people yeah. try to live like you know you watch these uh social media like this thing that's created is is that's what we fucking this you art, up, artificial these, representation, right? Yes, like these standards that you're supposed to be living up to. Yeah. And you're like I know. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh so, I feel like you should ask me questions because I'm like all over the place with my with my random talk. Yeah, that was good random talk. Uh, I hope you don't use any of that random talk. <laughs> I hope you don't use. If you do, well, whatever. But if you don't, I yeah. would definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. I feel like it was random. You know what? I would not stifle your creativity. Thank you. Mm. You were just trying to disrespect my creativity I'm right just there, sir. To you know what they say? What? <laughs> you have no say if you don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't pay, you have no say. So. Hey, audience, again, thank you so much for joining another episode of Small Talk Big Names. I am so excited to sit here with one of my best friends, Spike Spielberg, the hottest, in my opinion, in my opinion, the hottest uh, content creator, the hottest creative videographer and producer in the Southeast. But before I tell you about him, because he does mean a lot to me, you do, Spikey. Um, Spike, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience? Hello. My name is Spike Spielberg. I'm a Pisces. I like, uh, I don't really like long walks on the beach. I like kind of sitting on the beach. I like people watching. I feel like it's one of the most favorite things on the planet to do. And creepy. What? It's, it, it's borderline creepy. I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess I'm creepy. According to the public. According to the public. I'm creepy. Uh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a dad. Yeah, you're a girl dad. Uh, I am which definitely makes a girl you dad. so spectacular. I don't know if that's the word I would use, but yeah. I would I would say uh, seasoned mm-hmm. is the word. Battle tested <laughs> is the word. Um, and I, I live in Atlanta. I've been here for about twenty years. Um, and I like it. I don't yeah. know. I guess that's me. Oh, and I I shoot and edit videos in Atlanta. Uh, check out my yeah. Who's your company? My company is Shabumi Media Group. Uh, you can check us out online at that, ShabumiMediaGroup.com. How do you spell that? S-H-I-B-U-M-I Media. So tell, do you have an origin behind that name? Origin story. 
You know what I do? Uh, the media group, I don't. Uh, <laughs> was that already out there? That was somebody already. I stole that shit from somebody else. But uh, Shibumi, yeah. Like, so it's this book by this guy named Trevanian. I don't know his real name because, you know, what are those pseudonyms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing plum. That, what mm-hmm. you just said. This dude named Trevanian wrote this book called Shibumi about this dude named Nikolai Hale. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wouldn't say one of the greatest books I ever read, but it's definitely top five okay. books that I've read. And I'm like, I'm not like a war and peace. Yeah. Uh, Charles Dickens ass. Mm-hmm. That's not what I do. Yeah. So don't read this looking for that. <laughs> if you're looking for uh, existential thought and shit, this ain't the book for that. But it was this book about this dude like Nikolai Hill. And he was just a badass motherfucker, man. Uh, he was just a cold dude. Yeah. And I read the book. And then the, what Shibumi meant in the book mm-hmm. is uh, effortless elegance. Effortless elegance. Yes. It's okay. like uh, the it's like being without the angst of becoming. Okay. Right? Yeah. So when he said that, I was like, that's deep as fuck. Yeah. Like you're just, because that's a real statement, being without the angst of becoming. Like the anxious part of it is what am I going to do? Right. Like just doing it, you're like chilling. Just, be, just being present. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like the name, I, like the book, Struck a chord with me. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm going to change the name of my company to this. To this. Cause it used to be Spike Bur- Spike Spielberg Productions. Yeah. But I switched it because I felt like it being my name, people wanted me to work for them. Yeah. They wanted to hire me and mm-hmm. it was cool. But in order to build, you need to be able to hire, like, you need to be able to hire more people. Outsource and outsource. All that. Yeah. I, mean, I needed to be able to bring in other editors, mm-hmm. uh, get, hire people to film. Yeah. Producers, all that good stuff. So. I, I was already looking for a brand name. I got this a brand, a rebranding, mm-hmm. and I read this book, and it all came together. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like so. The funny part is, I read the first, the second book is called Satori, which is also sort of a Japanese inspired. I can't okay. remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's something like Peace. I don't know. Google it. Mm-hmm. But this dude named Don Winslow. That's the first book I read. This dude named Don Winslow wrote this book called Satori, but it was based off the character Nikolai Hale from Shibumi. Okay. And when I read that book, I was like, damn, this dude Nikolai is a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So I read the first one, and I was like, yo, he really is a bad motherfucker. <laughs> like, oh, I'm saying, sure. if, 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 you, if you're in the audio books, like, if you got Audible, you should, like, just listen to it. It's yeah. probably like a 12-hour book. It's dated. I think it came out, like, in the 70s or something like that. So it's yeah. a little dated, but... The story is really good. Yeah. He's like a level seven love maker. I don't even know what the fuck that means. What is level one? I don't. Exactly. I didn't know there were levels. <laughs> now, now you're aiming for a level seven. Yes. I'm like, I, I no think I'm at least like a four. I, I don't know. Out of ten, I think I'm a four. A solid four. On a so. good night, I could I could probably pull a six. <laughs> but, uh, and then it's like, so like even the color. My yeah. brand, like the colors that I use, I like to think that that color is close to a color mauve. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mauve is a color. Mm-hmm. People are aware of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in the index of assassins, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You are coded by color, and mm-hmm. his color was mauve. That's why I picked that color for mm-hmm. my logo. So, like, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. like the book. It was uh, it, it inspired huge me. influence. Yeah, it inspired yeah. me to be more creative because the way he tell a story is super duper creative. Uh, inspired me to. Just want to do for the sake of doing. Yeah. Because for a long time, I was, you know, it was, it was straight up about the bread. Yeah. And I feel like at the level I am now and the age I am now, uh, I would like to explore 
more creative sides, like like yeah. just doing, like mm-hmm. just doing for the being without the angst of becoming. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so where are you, where are you from? You moved here twenty years ago. So, where are you from? I'm from South Carolina. Okay, what's the city? Uh, first, I, my sigh was because I'm from South Carolina. I want to apologize to the rest of the country because South Carolina sucks. Orangeburg, where I'm from, is awesome. That's the town I grew up in. South Carolina State, Claflin University. Put your mm-hmm. hands up. Mm-hmm. Orangeburg, Wilkinson Bruins. I don't think we had a sound. Or maybe that's a bear. A Bruin is a bear. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I grew up in Orangeburg, uh-huh. South Carolina. Orangeburg is awesome. Yeah. Like, it's like my hometown. I love it. But South Carolina as a whole. Questionable to yeah. right? Charleston. You all have uh, Charleston. Yo, listen. Everybody be talking to me. Everybody talks to me about Charleston, right? Yeah. I am from South Carolina. Yeah. I would They would take us on field trips. Every year that I can remember from like the fifth grade on, yeah, probably your whole middle school career, yeah, and maybe your ninth grade, they took you on a trip to the slave market in Charleston. In Charleston, really? And they basically was like, "We Walk saved you, Charleston. niggas. Yeah, <laughs> like, we bought y'all here, and y'all, and we saved y'all from the wild. And you're welcome. Africa. And you welcome. And have some some of this candied popcorn that's being sold out here in place of niggas today. So my view on Charleston is not like fucking cupcakes and kisses man like yeah. I, I think i don't i don't i'm sure it's an amazing place now from the story the stories i've heard but i have not been to charleston south carolina yet. since she visited the slave market probably since i had the option to say no mm-hmm. like I've, as an adult i've never been mm-hmm. because that's real to me i'm like i don't want to you know i don't, don't want to celebrate that, that. Like, yeah i don't even like going to savannah man mm-hmm. them trees look slavey as fuck did you just say slavey? Slavey. Is okay. Slavish, whatever. <laughs> it looks like slavery happened yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be, like, the one time I went, I wouldn't have been surprised if somebody would have, you know, jumped out with a torch. Mm, like, that mm-hmm. shit is not for me. So it's interesting that you say you've, you don't like going to Savannah, but your daughter's name is Savannah. Uh, Yeah, her name is Savannah. And you asked me earlier what are my off off limits? I feel like I won't say off limits, but yeah. I'm, I'm. It's some things I'm not gonna talk about with yeah. my kids. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, I will talk about having kids. Yeah, because I feel like. Well, we can cap it off this way. Yeah. You have amazing kids. They are not. Nah. <laughs> I love both of my babies. They you know, are. They're they're very inquisitive. Yes. They um very observant. They ask ton of questions, and they're willing to be different. And yeah. I think that that's important. It is very. Um, I have a. I will, I'll give um, a fifteen-year-old and a three-year-old. I know you're listening to this, like, damn, nigga, what happened? <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. Like, I was like Al Pacino. I was almost out. And they pulled me back in. But yeah, she's yeah. great. Three years old. I feel like having a fifteen-year-old and a three-year-old is a unique combination of children. The fifteen-year-old is a fifteen-year-old. Fifteen-year-old. If you ever. If you're a parent, if you parented a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you were a teenager and you are now parenting a teenager, then you really know what I'm talking about. So that's everybody who has a like, because I am that person. Like, yeah. I call my, when she turned like 14, I called my mom. I was like, yo. Now what? If I was ever like this, let me apologize <laughs> to you right now. <laughs> but it's like the dynamics between them. It's like the 15-year-old requires uh, a different type of love. Yeah. A more, I don't know how to describe it. It's just different. You got to give them space. Mm-hmm. They they require support. 
really. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say, support and love. And the two, three-year-old man, hugs, kisses, cupcakes. Sweet stuff. Crayons. Whatever TV show you want to watch, Play-Doh, like, it, it's all about just making them happy. Yeah. Making sure they're having a good time. So it's just, I would say that having a three-year-old makes it easier to have a 15-year-old. Because I look at my 15-year-old, and she was three one time, and she was her. She was running around and following me everywhere I go. And yeah. And all the above. Always, you know, everything yeah. I want to do, you yeah. want to do. Now at 15, man. <laughs> I remember when she was young, she would help me come out and cut the grass. She'd be like, she would ask, Dad, you want me to come outside and help you with the yard? Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Come on out here. I give her a little task. Now? She's like, you want me to give you some water? <laughs> I'll get you. I'll be like, you going to come help me with the yard? She'll be like, Yo, I can bring you some water. And i get some water. She'll go back in the house. So it's just the difference. And the yeah. three-year-old is up under you. You're like, yo, I need you to get out of here so I yeah. can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Being, I don't know. I feel like if you, this is what I will say. I have patience and conflict resolution. If you have children, you will learn. If you if you if you have not learned that by the time you've had children or that you produced another human, you are definitely gonna learn that. Yeah. Because those are kinda like you would consider like core classes, right? You can't get to the specialties until you get through your core. Yeah. And those are your core. You're going to learn I feel like when they're little you learn patience. And when they're older, you got your conflict resolution skills got to be on point. Cause yeah. I can tell you like this right here, it be times. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's times where I'm talking to her. I'm like, yo, I wish I could just like WWF you real quick, but I can't. So, so you gotta like figure out how to communicate. With Use them. other tools, right? Yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta figure out how to get your point across with words or like like. Other actions. Yeah. Because I don't know. This is weird, but. So tell me about growing up in Orangeburg. Growing up in Orangeburg, man. Uh, you had siblings or were you? I only? had a brother. Yeah. Well, I have a brother. Yeah. Damn, I said I had a brother. Yeah. I have a brother and I have a mom and I have a dad. Uh, I have an older sister, but I didn't grow up with her. Yeah. Um, we grew up in, Orange, like I said, Orangeburg, South Carolina. Super small town, South Carolina State, Claflin University. Um. I grew up in a, in a, in a, I guess what would be called considered the projects in the South, but I would say like an apartment complex government. Yeah. And it was really, I don't know. I would say government housing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it said by the government or something on the bottom of the mm-hmm, side. Mm-hmm. So it's called Roosevelt Gardens. And it wasn't the best place. Like it, it fluctuated throughout my life. I spent, I think 18 of my 17, 18 years of my life living in a, Two-bedroom apartment with my mom and my brother. Me and my brother shared a room. That shit was crazy. Uh, looking back on it now, I'm like, damn, how we didn't kill each other? Um, so, no, that was cool, like, growing up there. But, like, yeah, growing up there, was it was it was informative. Yeah. It was an informative place. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough because— yeah. People who like live in big cities will say, "Oh, I grew up here." Da, da, da. But I feel like growing up in a country ass town is hard, man. Like uh, the access to opportunity wasn't really a lot. Like uh, I can't remember. Like like <laughs> like real talk. If I would have stayed where I live, I don't think I would be doing what I do now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have ever been exposed to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been nope. Yeah. Probably like 
in the last 10 years, I would have figured this out. Mm-hmm. But I've been doing this for like, I want to say close to 20 years. Yeah. Like 15, 16, 17, years, somewhere in there. But like at the age I found it, I wouldn't, this was not a thing. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't have known who to talk to. In my mind, editing a video was like some steampunk machine that you just pulling levels on. I thought it was a huge process. And then when I saw it actually be done, I was yeah. like, oh, you know. I could do that. Yeah. Or I think I could do that. What did you want to be when you when you were younger? Do you remember? Like my my boilerplate that yeah. you say in class, I think it was like a marine biologist. Oh. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Did you just find put those words together? No, that was it. Marine biologist. What but what was the impetus, right? Like did you know a marine biologist didn't want to come and visit your class? I think I went to this place and when we were kids, like a, a field trip probably like in preschool and these people were like handling like baby alligators and shit. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, oh, that's great. And I think she was a marine biologist. Exposure, right? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. But that was your boilerplate. Yeah. To sound smart in class. What I really wanted to be, you're going to laugh, was the international criminal. That is what, that was my goal. By the time I was in the sixth grade, I had seen enough James Bond movies where I was like, yo, I'm going to have a cave. <laughs> I don't have a layer. Like I was like already like yo, I want to be the bad guy. Did you did you already identify who your money penny was? Uh, no. Okay, I didn't. But I wanted to be the bad guy. I was like, I want to be the 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 internet either an international arms smuggler or international man of mystery. What was it about it though? What was it about those roles? They was like on jets and shit, and they like, always wore a suit. Niggas. Pinky rings, all type of shit. Their pins could kill people, cars, bulletproof. That was the only person that could really fuck with James Bond. Mm -hmm. Right? So Mm -hmm. James Bond, everybody want to be James Bond. I'm like, and and I was the type of kid that I always wanted to see the bad guy story. Like, if he had a plan, I was like, I hope he get it. (laughs) Because I want to see. I want to see you create what he said is going to happen, right? So was the bad guy the underdog for you? Yes. I okay. always root for the, like, well, as an adult, my morale, my, my compass, what is it? My moral compass is a little bit having yeah. kids who change that shit. Yeah. But, yeah, I always rooted for the bad guy. The bad guy was the underdog. I always wanted the bad guy to win. Even when we used to watch Saturday morning cartoons, the bad guy plan was always the best. Mm. His plan for destroying the city, I was like, I really want to see that. Like, I want to see you do that. Yeah, I want to see you do it. I want to vision. I want to. Good luck to you. But I felt like the good guy winning was a cop out. I'm like, oh, now you don't even have to show me what happened. Oh, yeah. I see right? what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's like, it's like the story could have been so much better if this guy won. The good guy win. Everybody, oh, you know, high oh, five and yeah. slapping asses. And the story's over. It's like a nice little neat boat. Yeah. Right? Like, oh. I, when I was a kid, I used to watch movies and I would look at movies and at the end, I would think to myself, man, they should make a movie about the end of this movie. Mm, like a continuation? But like a real life continuation. So like you watch Bruce, like you watch some shit like Die Hard. He'd have killed all these motherfuckers in this building. Make a movie about the trials he got. <laughs> Make a movie about the lawsuits <laughs> and the criminal cases this nigga had after that. So, because so, the wake of the movie is the, it's, it's not the most interesting part, but it's super interesting to me. I be, I'm looking at the end of the movie like, damn, you got mad trauma. You're going to need a therapist because some dude with a knife was like, think about the person, like the chick at the end of Michael uh, uh, Halloween. Yeah. She's fucked in life. Like, in re- like, if that was a real person, she'd be working like at a roadside diner, meth the fuck out. Because some dude with a huge knife was chasing, like, that. The, come on. That movie is amazing. 
so so you're you're speaking kind of of um what's the one with um it wasn't goodfellas right so remember goodfellas they tell you the backstory he grows up he becomes this mafia guy and then he goes to trial and then he goes into witness protection oh yeah so that similar to that but maybe like a part two would be like the nuremberg trials well, I guess the yeah. part two would be, I, th- I feel like calling it a part two diminishes it. It's okay. just got to be another movie. Okay. okay. I mean, you get the same guy, yeah, right? Yeah. The same core characters. Yeah. Because a lot of the core characters from the from the, from the first part of the movie are gone. Like, they're dead and right. their stories are wrapped up. Right. The core characters get introduced to new characters. Okay. And it's just a different movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, like, cre- like as, a, as a young person, I would, like, like imagine this. Like, damn, son. You know, like you, like I said, like you watch movies and at the end, they just walk, like the end of Passenger 57. Yeah. Wesley Snipes walk away with the chick. No, nigga, you're going, like, hey, you're a black man, you're going to jail too. You might not be going in there forever, but you at least getting put in cuffs and put in the back of the car so they figure out what the fuck happened. Right, right, right. And you have to answer mad questions after that. You right. probably don't have that job. When they, they talk about they're going to give you a, a bonus. Yeah. Like, all of these things are what I'm thinking. Like, what is your life like after this now? Mm. Like, and I may be reading too much into it. No, but but I think what you're illustrating is exactly who you are today, right? Like, you're thinking about this as a young person, but even though you're verbalizing, I want to be a marine biologist, you've always had that, that creative piece has always been there with you. Now, you may not have known how to execute no i definitely didn't but but you have you had the the seed that begins it all right the fact that you're thinking about what happens to the bad guy i remember my mom and dad sat me down one day mm-hmm. to tell me that i needed to stop writing the type of stories that i was writing in class like oh, you know they okay. send you home yeah i would write this outlandish shit <laughs> <laughs> like just crazy like it's like I can't remember it but I knew it was enough that they was like they were concerned my mom and dad was like if you keep writing like this they might take you from us <laughs> like some shit like that <laughs> I, remember, I remember them saying that and I can't I was and it would be stories so I they were thinking about like child protective services yes clearly I, clearly your parents are exposing you to these things that you're writing about uh, well I don't cause my stories would be it wouldn't be like stuff that's happening it would just be made up shit like I remember this, I remember one story I wrote about this like toilet with teeth it was <laughs> I remember this commercial for like some toilet uh, product and uh-huh. the toilet you know a stinky toilet it was like mean it had teeth and I wrote the story about this killer toilet who would just like bite you and suck you down into it. but I mind you I'm like in the like it's like the earliest that you could be writing stories. So I don't know what grade that is, four, fifth, six, but my stories are like these weird ass yeah. horror tales. Yeah. And they're like, yo. Like my mom, like this is I don't know. Again, my mom took me to get me tested mm. for uh mental. Mm-hmm. The school was like, yo, oh. you need to take them and see what's up. Based off of because of your creative, right? I don't know. I don't. I don't oh, okay. These are two independent instances in Got my life. Of how close they are to each other. Yeah. I, I've forgotten. Yeah. I don't know. But I do remember them giving me this test. And yeah. I was like, are you fucking with me? Yeah. Like, it was way too easy. I was like, oh, yeah, there you go. So it was like, oh, he's de- there's definitely nothing wrong with him. Yeah. Which is weird because now you look at it. That was the thing. They would try to label you as a little black kid. Because probably because I was talking a lot, you know. I was definitely a mouthy. I'm mouthy now. You yeah. can, I've been talking the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was a mouthy kid. Uh, yeah, I would say I was. I was more creative. I was. I was, like math and shit like that didn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't really. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I like English because you could read. You know, you read books, learn how to learn how language work. Uh, 
I was in theater arts, which mm. I feel like I, I probably could have got an Oscar. I wouldn't have slapped nobody, though. Mm. Mm. That's not going to be dated. When you, you hear this, it's, like, <laughs> it's not going to be dated. We're you not dropped it in there. You figured out a way to put it in there. Out a way to put it in there. So, <laughs> like, I was in plays. I got paid to be in plays. It's crazy. Yeah. I was Briar Rabbit. It was crazy. It's a whole other story. But, um, yeah, I was, like, like, I think I was good at, like, geography because I was always interested in places. Like, even now, I think I have a real good idea of where stuff is. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. even like as a kid, I've always that's exploratory. That was the international criminal or man of mystery cuz you get to go all over the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like growing up in Orangeburg, man, I don't know how other people lives from Orangeburg pan out. But growing up in my neighborhood, I lived in an apartment 1201B in the first circle. And I came out the back of my like you come out it's like you come out your door, you in a little breeze where you turn to the left. It was a field, a road in a field, and some trees. And it was buildings down left, but it was, you know, maybe a building this way. Like, the other end of your building is this way. And I remember, uh, like, looking out the backyard at some point in time, maybe, like, in the seventh or eighth grade, and I was like, man, I can't wait till I don't have to see this shit no more. Mm-hmm. Like, even so much so, when I moved away, I would go home to visit my mom, and I would always make it my point to stop at that spot. Like, I would go back to my old building and stand outside my building and, like, use that shit as motivation. Be like, nigga, never come back mm-hmm, here because mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. shit is whack. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my hometown, but it's it's not. Yeah, it ain't, mm-hmm. it ain't, it ain't, it ain't Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It ain't that. So. Yeah. But I don't know. Growing yeah. up in Orangeburg was, it was. I guess like growing up like everywhere. Yeah. You, know, you got your good, you got your bad, you're ugly. Who was your candy lady? Oh shit. This lady named Muali. 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 Okay. And she looked like her name should be Muali. I can't describe it. She was just like she looked like a, a black woman, a real black woman. Yeah. Real, real Beautiful dark, dark, yeah. She was kinda like an ashy dark. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not trying yeah. to be funny. Yeah. You ask yeah. me, I'm describing. Yeah. And she looked like she could have had Asian or like strong Native American because oh. her eyes were very. Uh, she it, had features. She yeah, had those she features. Had yeah. Features from other parts of the world. Yeah. And she used to make that was our candy lady, man, Muali. What was what was your favorite thing to get? Did she ever do like any um, of the pickle juice with Kool Aid? The fuck? No, I mean, <laughs> 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 <and> freezing. <laughs> Pickle juice and Kool Aid. I think yeah, you're making mix, shit no, up. No, no, no. Mix it together and, and freeze it. Does nah, she ever do that? She, she would make the ices, like you make the Kool Aid, freeze yeah. it. Yeah. Did they call it thrills? Like in Savannah, they call them thrills. Nah, he's called it icy. <laughs> is that icy though, yeah. or is it just a popsicle? It was in a cup. Okay. Like uh, you remember you used to get the little With bathroom the cups, yeah, the Dixie bathroom cups. Oh, like you get at the dentist. Well, bigger than that. Right? Yeah. It's big. Okay. So that was it. And my favorite thing was Nutty Buddies. Oh, the ice creams because mm-hmm. it was like a dollar fifty. That was a lot back then. Yes, it was. Yeah. Growing up, oh, another thing about growing up where I grew up, we didn't have like a corner store. So, Mualley was the like, corner store. I'm pretty sure she put kids through college off all of the quarters, pennies, and cause yeah. like she sold cigarettes. Like, I was going to say she sold cigarettes. Yeah, she sold cigarettes. <laughs> she sold gas. Gas. Yeah, like you know that she could. She. No. All right. Um. Yeah, but she sold everything, so yeah. I'm pretty sure she made a great living. Like looking back, I'm like, damn, you probably was caked up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, it was a interesting place. Yeah. I was glad to leave. I think one of the most important things my mom ever said to me, like, and around that adolescent time, was like, yo, the, the, she's like, the world is bigger than Orangeburg. Yeah. And you should go see it. 
and I was like, all right. So I left. Like, we didn't have, I remember we had a bus, but it was, oh my God, people, you would laugh at what they called the bus. Oh. Mm -hmm. How was that happening? Um, the then bus? I, like, moved away to yeah. Charlotte, and they had buses. Whew, man, that shit blew my mind. Because yeah. I, like, growing up in Orangeburg, they don't have buses, so if you have a car, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. And it's so country, there ain't no sidewalks. Oh, okay. So you will be walking down the road. Like, it's parts with sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are parts without sidewalks. Mm -hmm. Like, major stretches of road where you want to get somewhere and you walking up against some woods that anything can jump out mm -hmm. and get your ass. Mm -hmm. No sidewalk. You know, it was not cool. So moving to, like, Charlotte and they had buses. Man, that shit was like. Blew your mind. What? I was like, you, I could go anywhere? <laughs> Literally, I could just stand out here in the corner and leave, get on this, get on this hundred thousand dollar car, <laughs> this hundred thousand dollar vehicle. I have a bunch of bus cars, and it'll take me here, and I could go wherever I wanted to go. Yeah, man, I used to like get on the bus in Charlotte and just go. I would just get on the bus and ride it until it got until it stopped and figure out where I was at and figure out how to get back home. It was so it was such a new thing to me. Well, and and that's the inter the international man of mystery, right? Like you discovered. Transit. <laughs> that was yeah, the first yeah. step. That was it, and that turned like like That's all it that took. was it. Like I because, never wanted to go back home after that. Yeah, because once you go from walking to the bus, next is the train, <laughs> and then I moved to New York, and then I was riding the train. And I was like, which? I mean, you're just earning your cred left and right. I was like out it doesn't here. stop. Yeah, that's awesome. So, hey, audience, again, thank you so much for joining. I'm having a great conversation with one of my closest friends, Spike Spielberg. He is the purveyor of Shibumi Media Group. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, come back and learn more about Spike, more so his origins, right? So he goes from Orangeburg, South Carolina, and moves to Charlotte, where he's introduced to mass transit, and it blows his mind. Of course, remember, he's still in the international man of mystery mode. And eventually, he moves to New York, where he's introduced to trains. And then you make your way to Atlanta, where you're introduced to planes. So meet us on the other side. That's so crazy, because that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. That's not a joke. That's so true. That's your life. That's my life. When you're ready, really ready, we'll be there when you are. Delta is ready to fly. Yes, we're ready to fly. High in the sky, where the sun shines all day, every day, the Delta jets go flying from Atlanta to Europe, Canada, the Bahamas, Bermuda, the Caribbean, into more than 80 cities in the USA. Other Delta jets are winging home to Atlanta's new terminal, the biggest in the world. Delta is the largest airline at the world's largest terminal, with more ticket counter positions, more boarding gates, more baggage claim units than any other airline, and more flights than any other airline in any other city in the world. Delta is ready. Hi, and welcome back to Small Talk Big Names with your host, Niger. If you're just joining, I'm so excited to be here with my bestie, Spike Alicious. I'm sorry, Spike Spielberg of Shibumi Media Group. So, Spike, before we left off, you, you learned to walk in Orangeburg. You learned to take the bus in Charlotte. Then where did you go after that? Um, I went home for a little while. Yeah. And then I went to New York. 
All right. So you learn to take the train in New York. I love it. This we're, we're following the journey of the, the building and the development of the international. Yeah. What, what is it? International Mas- man of mystery. Man of mystery. That's yeah. It. So the yeah. man of mystery started walking. Then he learned to catch the bus. This hundred thousand dollar car that would pick him up and take him anywhere he wanted anywhere. to go within the city limits. And then got him back to where he started. And then you met trains. I was in. I moved to New York. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I moved to New York, we're going to get into that. Yeah. For whatever reason. For whatever reason, I was in New York. I was staying in Brooklyn uh, with a good friend of mine. I was staying in her basement with my brother, which that's a whole nother fucking story. Ah, oh, that's terrible. But you know what? If you ever hear this, Tashina Campbell, I fuck with you. Yeah. We just grew apart. I, I went in a different direction with my life, but I fuck with you. Um, I was living at, her name was Tat. I was living in the Tat basement and. What's up, Tat? I worked at a Taco Bell in Queens and I lived in Brooklyn and I didn't know how to take the train so I used to walk at oh, first. What is that? Give a, give the audience a sense of the distance. Uh, man, I would say maybe three miles. Okay. Four not too miles. Bad. Which is like crazy. in New York 10, yeah, it was, 10 blocks. Yeah, because yeah. in New York walking it'll, yeah. you'll pass so much shit you won't even know. Right, right. But it was like from Bushwick Walking from Bushwick to Myrtle. Okay. That's where the Taco Bell was at. So however that distance is, I don't know. However far that is, that's how far I walked every day. And then I figured out how to ride the train. Yeah. And I was riding the train. And what New York taught me was how to hustle. Like what hustling was. Yeah. Because growing up in South Carolina, it was definitely hustling. But it was, uh, I would say, more on the illegal side of hustling. Yeah. Where things that could, you know. Put you get, away. And put you away, get you caught up. Yeah. Just for the sake of doing it. You know, yeah. like just for the sake of having it, not even doing it. And what New York taught me was that like, if you could get anything for a good price, you can make money off it. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, I remember uh, staying in that basement. She had a cousin named Warren. And I was complaining about not having money. And Warren was like, yo, go downstairs in the basement it's some fans down there. You can sell some of them if you want. So I'm thinking like, you know, I'm, I don't even know what's going on. So I go down in the room and it's like legit. I want to say like maybe 50 or 60 brand new box fans. Mm-hmm. Just brand new stacked up in the corner in one of these rooms mm-hmm. covered with dust. And I was like, he was like, yeah, just go up on the street. Somebody will buy it. So I took one and I walked up there with it. And I was, I didn't even get to set it up. Like I just was walking with it and started turning and the dude was like you selling this and i was like yeah he was like how much i was like ten dollars he gave me ten dollars and i was like oh shit so i went back down the street and i had a little shopping cart and i went and i got like four and i came back and i set up a little spot and i, I like i didn't even say anything people yeah. was just like you got fans to sell and i was like yeah twenty dollars <laughs> and they paid twenty dollars so i was selling the fans for a dub and I sold enough of them where he had to tell me to stop selling them. He was like, yo, you know, I told you you could sell something. You can't sell them all. <laughs> so that taught me right there. I was like, and of course that was, I mean, it wasn't all profit. I had to kick him back a couple yeah. dollars because they was his fans. Right. But that showed me like the hustle is real. Yeah. Like if you can get it, you know, and I have to do anything really. Yeah. So you, you, you were just in the right place. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that's the thing. What I like my time in New York, it's a bunch of, I could tell you stories, like yeah. great stories about New York. Yeah. My stories when I was dead. Yeah. But I don't want to get sure. sullied. Yeah. I'll just say, uh, yeah. So that's so, what I learned there. So from New York, where did you, where did you end up? 
in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, mm. and I'm going to tell you how I got there. So, again, New York City. I'm Not even again, but New York is not down south. Like, At people all. make comparisons. That shit is not the same. Mm-hmm. I was living in New York, and I was green as a blade of grass. Green as Shrek out that bitch. I ain't know nothing about nothing. Yeah. And but I you, went, knew, you knew how to get to Taco Bell. I knew how to get there. And I'll say this, that uh, that shit was just too fast for me. Like, it was, it was, it was so many things was happening so quick, it's, it's easy to get caught up. Mm-hmm. And that's why I moved to Florida. Like, a series of events took place that I witnessed, like, one was firsthand, but second, like, kind of like second, third hand, like the first part of it. So, quick story. Mm-hmm. We standing outside on the stoop. These dudes across the street, Puerto Rican dudes, are arguing. Uh, I go in the house to come back out. One of the dudes is gone. I asked my brother what happened. He said, yo, he was hitting him with the mop stick. Then the other dude ran, like, the dude was hitting him with the mop stick. He ran away. We was watching the news that night or the next day. They found dude with the stick, like, three or four blocks away. Somebody had stabbed him up, and he was, like, in the like not in the alley, but, like, mm-hmm. next to a trash can or some shit like that. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And the thing about New York is crime seems close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't At least when I was there, like everything was happening where I was living. And that shit was too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, strike two, I was walking to work, and it was like they blocked the street so you couldn't go down the street, so you had to go the next block up and go down. Because it was like a hole in the ground. Like a hole, like, you know, I don't know if you know, like a brownstone. I wouldn't say a brownstone, but like a, a multifamily home home in Brooklyn. You walk up the stairs and you go in the door, but then it's like a door on the side of the stairs for yeah. the basement. Yeah. Right? So that door. Yeah. That is, it's like bricks and shit. It's like like explosion happened. Mm-hmm. Right that night on the news, somebody like tested a pipe bomb in a basement and just blew up the shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the third and final strength for yeah. New York City was I was walking home from work and you know I don't know all places in New York like this the time I was there I was only in Brooklyn when you walk in up a block it's all houses but mm-hmm. when you walk like down the side of a block I guess you could see it's like usually a car garage right there like where people park their cars but you could see people backyard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah like you can't get in your backyard from like row houses yeah, right like to row all the backyard yeah it's like in the south we don't have that but I was walking home from work and there was all of these little pegs, like you could see in the ground, and it was like a bunch of police out there. Mm. And watch the news. The garbage man found some, some law order shit. The garbage man found like two left hands and some trash on this row of houses, human hands. Wow. Yeah. And that was when I was like, "Yo, it's time to get the fuck out of here." Yeah. And these are all situations I had nothing to do with. Yeah. At no point in time did it come to me, but just living in that. Fast of an environment, it was too much. I had to get the fuck out of it. Yeah. And I was standing. This is people. This is gonna sound like a lie, but I promise you, this is the truth. I'm standing on the corner across the street from uh, Taco Bell, and a bus rolls by, and they got a big ass advertisement on it that say Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Mm. And I wrote the number down, and I went to a payphone, and I called that number, and like three weeks later, I was living in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Like, wow. That fast. Yeah. Man, I remember my life. It used to be, I don't want to say that, because having kids is, you know, being anchored to a place. I don't know if anchored is a, is a good word. But, no, but there's yeah. there's value, right? I definitely remember the times. Yeah. So, uh. But, anyway, you know, before before we go to, you know, when you were introduced to planes, 
you think about the young people who grew up in that and couldn't get away. They couldn't write down, you know, Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale to get out of that situation. They just become desensitized, desensitized to it. That's trauma, right? Like that was traumatic for you. Yeah, that was a lot. And you were and you were more so on a visitor status. I was only there for I want to say maybe eight months. Yeah, and I probably I, I was there long enough for to experience wearing shorts and, and then it being snow. Yeah. So whatever amount of time it took for that to happen. Yeah. That's and, how long I was there for one summer and one snow. And there there are others who this is this is all you know. If it doesn't happen, something isn't right. Right. It becomes so default state. Um. Okay. So so you head down to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, because I was a firm believer. Yeah, I, I used to tell my little cousins this. I was like, "Yo, man, if you want to grow up in South Carolina, I was I would say, yo, if you want to get out of here, man, you could just go to school." And he's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Yo, you could just sign up for financial aid, pick a school somewhere if your grades is good enough. You could just go there and live in their dorms and figure that shit out." And yeah. You, like so, that's what I did in Florida. Yeah. So I went to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I signed up for school. <laughs> I went down there. I got like, oh, I got these loans. That wasn't a lot. Like in retrospect, I definitely. As an adult, I yeah. would tell my younger self not to go this route. But yeah. I feel like I needed that. Like, I needed to get out of there. You have to get out, yeah. And I didn't have any money. And I yeah. needed to, to figure out how to make this shit work. And I yeah. knew that if I signed up for school, I could sign up for housing. I could get in You're the buying dorm. time, yeah, right? Yeah, I got time. Yeah. I could figure it out. Yeah. So I get there. What was your first, your immediate impression of Fort Lauderdale? <sighs> wow. It's coming like, from New York. Because I stopped in South Carolina and I rode the bus down. Okay. This is back when the nigga wasn't even flying yet. Yeah. I, 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 oh. I, up until this point, I had never been on a plane. Okay. Ever in my life. Okay. And I probably was like, I want to say 20. Okay. 19, 20 years old. Yeah. I'd say like 20, going on 21. Yeah. 20, something like that. Anyway, I know I wasn't old enough to, le- to legally buy it. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just, man, that was like, it was like, I, I've experienced culture shock in my life. Mm hmm. But that was like a real, like a real moment where I was like, "Damn, where y'all been?" I had no idea this life was like this. Yeah. Like it's crazy. So yeah. you get off. I get off the bus. I don't even remember where the bus stop was at. I know it's not by the water. It was like but, a Greyhound. Yeah, took, like yeah. a Greyhound. So uh, I get in a cab or some shit. I think I can't even remember this. But I'm pretty sure it was a cab. Mm-hmm. I got in my like never been to. I've never been to Florida. Mm-hmm. I have no relatives here. I get out of the cab, I get to the dorms, I check myself into the dorms. It's like artists for a lot of the the artists and tubes are kind of shady. And I'm not gonna lie. I wanna shit on them, but well I will, fuck it. Those are like for profit schools. So like La Cordon Blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went to the dorms and I stayed there. And the next day I woke up and I saw where I lived. Like the ocean was like literally, I wanna say a seven minute walk. Yeah. Like, legit, a brisk walk, seven minutes, you are at the Atlantic Ocean. Chilling. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, across the street was the intercoastal. So, like, uh, one side of the dorms, when you first move into the dorms, it's like prison. You got to stay in the shitty cells. Because this, this was the shitty building, like, the first building. Like, even they had water behind that building, but they made it super clear to never get in this water. Oh. It was like, so they told me a story. Don't know how true this is. They was like, yo, this dude was trying to catch an iguana because Florida, iguanas, mm-hmm. South Florida, them shit is everywhere. Tree chickens. Yes. Yeah. And he tried to catch one that fell in the water. They got him out because then you can't get out because it's like a sheer, like a battery, like a, oh, it ain't okay. like a beach. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A concrete. So you yeah. got to swim across. Yeah. So you got to swim across in this nasty ass water. 
and say, yo, they, he had to go home because like every orifice on his body was like infected. Every so hole. Was it like like this? Was it like sewage? Listen, it was a Volkswagen Beetle in that motherfucker. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. What year was it? I don't even know. I just know when it when it got hot and water levels dropped, it was a beetle. <laughs> you could see it? You could see the hood of a Volkswagen Beetle in that shit, yo. So I'm definitely not getting So you didn't get in that water? No. Yeah. So I stand in that dorm. <laughs> and then eventually you get to go across the street to the good dorm, which is an old hotel. It's a hotel that they bought, right? Uh-huh. And... You get it's like you live in a hotel room, but it's a big like a suite. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and you got a we had a big pool, mm-hmm. and you right on the intercoastal. Shit is beautiful. Yeah, like like you walk out your door every morning, and it's like manatees and shit. Now oh, I'm just wow. coming from like I'm coming from New York, where yeah. if you come outside at three a.m., the snow is white, but at like three seventeen, and like everybody took a shit in the snow. Like it's just like like when I lived in Brooklyn. It was not gentrified. Yeah. I, like, from the stories I hear about Brooklyn now, that's real nice, yada, yada. Yeah. When I was there, that's what, that was not the case. Yeah. That shit was definitely... It was big, what it, it was, was It was Biggie Smalls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was Biggie Smalls Brooklyn. Like, yeah. them type, like, nah. So, living in Florida, for a lot of there, like, the scenery was different. I was exposed to, like, people who really had money. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the thing I learned. The, the life lesson that I picked up in Florida was that wealth. like That's when you were introduced to, to wealth. wealth. Yeah. That's when I got, I saw it firsthand. Yeah. Not like a, you know, because back home, you know, you got D-Boys, got a Benz. You know, he might be sitting on a few hundred thousand dollars. You're like, oh, he getting it. I moved to Fort Lauderdale and I was like, this is, it's, it, it really went from, oh my God, that's a Lamborghini. That shit is crazy yeah. to, man, I like the purple one better. <laughs> like, that's how frequent that was. Yeah, like yeah. that, like because I don't know, if, I don't know what Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale is like now, but this was probably like in two thousand. It was. I remember this place called an Auto Toy Store was on like Sunrise or so. Oh, yeah, like Sunrise. Sunrise Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And they sold all Super of these fancy. And when they, we they would we went there one day and sat in those cars. Yeah, me and my man and the dude came out. We thought he was gonna kick us out the cars. He was like, Nah, nah, you good? Just don't break nothing. He's like, besides, y'all could be rappers. I don't know who you are. Yeah. You might want this car. I mean, it's Fort. It's not like people just move to Fort Lauderdale, right? It's like, you're here. You probably, you could very well be someone. No one no one says, oh, I'm moving to, like people would say, you know, I'm moving to Chicago. I'm moving to Houston, Atlanta. Fort Lauderdale rarely makes that list. Yeah. So that was the thing, seeing like expensive cars and like, you know. And then that was the first time I was around a rich person who... That's the first time I realized that rich people got problems too. Mm-hmm. Because this one kid I met him, I can't remember his name. I'll just say his name was Matt for the sake of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him in class one day and he was like, hey man, we started talking. He started telling me about this car. I said, hey man, I just bought Chevy. Shit is right, man. I want you went after class, I want you to come look at it. So I got there, he's telling me about the car. He's like, man, it's fucked up right now. It's fucked up right now. But I'm telling you, this shit gonna be hard, white dude. We go out there, and it's a nice, you know, during that time, box Chevys was the shit. Yeah. I don't know if everybody, if that was a thing everywhere, but in the South, box Chevys was the shit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not, like, the worst looking one I've seen, but I, I can tell that the engine is good. Like, I can hear it. I'm like, damn, that shit sound good. He's telling me all of the shit he's going to do. He's like, yo, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. I'm like, yeah, man, get the fuck out of it. So, like, maybe a week or two later, we in class again. He was like, yo, man, you got to come outside check my car out. So I'm like, all right, I go downstairs and look at the car. Everything he said. He got it. He got that shit. I was yeah. like, yo. 
Like, now I'm looking at him like, what's up with that? Like, yo, what you do? He was like, what you mean? I was like, who paid for this? He's like, my parents. I was like, what? Your parents? So me and him got cool. Yeah. We hung out. I was the black guy. You were his was, black friend. Yeah, I was his black friend. Yeah. Definitely, I was his black friend. Yeah. I was 100% his black friend. Yeah. And I had to, like, check him about that shit one time. <laughs> but we just started hanging out. Yeah. And I remember one night I was with him. And he was like, hey, I got to go to I gotta go to my mom's house to get something. You want to come with me? I was like, cool. I'll stay in the car. He was like, no, nah, you can come in. We get to the house. And I have, I'd never seen a house like this up, up until this point in time in my life. I'd never seen this kind of money. Yeah. Like, I was, it wasn't, like, it was, the house was on these, these stone arches. And the house was on top of that. And, and the, whatever square footage the house was, they had that much outdoor living space under the house. Like, it was, like, couches, mm-hmm. like, real fly shit. Mm-hmm. Like, not, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just real fly shit. Like, yeah. an outdoor kitchen. Shit was, like, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. We go in the house. The house is big, huge. Like, I, ain't, I, don't, I, I don't even think up until that point in time in my life, I knew what an open floor plan was. Oh, well, were they, but were they really that popular back then? I, maybe not. Yeah. But I was yeah. there like, damn, it's a lot of space in here. It's like, it keeps going. Yes. The yeah. refrigerator wasn't even, it was like, I thought the refrigerator was a cabinet. Was a cabinet. Yeah. Those Sub-Zeros. Now, yeah. now that's, everybody know that. Yeah. But at that time in my life, I was like, he was like, you're right there. I was like. Where's the fridge? Where's the fridge? What you talking about? He was like, yo, it's right here. And this, the shit just opened up. I'm like, you got the Batman spinning around, Clark Kent shit over here. <laughs> like. So, you might have met your your real life man of mystery. No, I didn't. no okay. he was a sucker. Okay. Well, he turned out to just be, you know. Anyway, I digress. I'm mm-hmm. in the house, and I still am like, I'm like, yeah, they got some bread. Mm-hmm. Then we hung out more, and I would see that he would be sad and shit, and I was like, yo, what's wrong with you, bro? Like he, like it's crazy. He lived in the dorm with us. Mm-hmm. He lived in the dorm with us, and. It was crazy as fuck to me that he was always down. I'm like, my nigga, you are you like you got whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Because you were you were equating money to happiness, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, man, one day we were smoking, and he was like, yo, man, you got it good. I was like, what you mean, nigga? I'll be stealing fucking cans of baked beans <laughs> and ramen noodles, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. That's a true story. Like you know, they had the food drive shit. I was so broke out there. You stole from the food drive? Wasn't <laughs> no, it already free? It was Denty Moore beef stew, man. But wasn't it already free? It probably was. And you but, still, but you had to steal it for street cred. Exactly. That's important. So he, I'm like, my nigga, I'm not eating, even eating out here like that. He was like, yeah, but you know, he was like, you know, I fuck with you because I fuck with you because you don't got nothing to give me. Hmm. And he, and I thought about that shit at first. I took it as an insult. And I was like, a few seconds later, I was like, damn, he right. It's not a transactional. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he doesn't, he, and at this point, I still don't really understand like the depth and breadth of his family money. Like yeah. I don't like I'm still just like he got bread. Yeah. I'm he's like, I don't know if people hang out with me because I got money mm. or they're really my friend. And at the time I was like, nigga, I'd rather have that problem than he's <laughs> fucking like stealing gang goods, nigga. Right. Fuck out of here. With the dirty free spike. Exactly. Whatever however you wanna say it. But and when I figured out how much money he had, one day we was hanging out with all his white friends. This is when I had to check him. All his white friends, because they wasn't my friends. I didn't know them. We end up going to this house on the intercoastal. And if you know anything about Fort Lauderdale, South Florida, West Palm Beach, anything on the intercoastal is, is not cheap. 
premium. Like, it's it's premium property. Yeah. And this is I'm talking like nice intercoastal, like mm-hmm. boats, like you can take your jet skis off type shit. Mm-hmm. So we go to this house and this shit is like fire. Like it's not a huge house, but the shit is just like well laid. Outdoor, up lighting, all type of shit. We get in, it's like got five bedrooms, some ridiculous like I don't know, I'll probably say like maybe three bedrooms. I'm probably exaggerating. It's probably three bedrooms, maybe two and a half baths. It wasn't a huge house, but it was a big house. Mm-hmm. Had a pool. Shit's on the intercoastal. Like you can go down to the little dock. You know, your orifices won't mm-hmm. <laughs> won't get infected from the water. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting out there and I was like, yo, who house is this? And he was like, this is my house. And I was like, what you mean? He was like, my mom and dad got a divorce and they couldn't figure out who to give this house, like who was going to get this house. So they just gave it to me. And I'm like, but you stay in the dorm with us. He's like, it's boring over here. I don't have nobody to talk to. Like everybody else live in the dorms. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to be. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Because I would have been charging y'all niggas to live with me. I'd have been like, yo, it's five dollars a month. <laughs> and like, like whatever. Like, yeah. I, I'd, have paid, I'd have been paying me. Like, if your family gave you the credit, the mortgage probably already paid up. You yeah. pay taxes on this shit, whatever. But that, like, living in Florida, that's that showed me, like, damn. Like, this is what money is. And people with money, they had problems. Yeah. Those were like insignificant problems in the larger scheme of life. Like, but at this well, I don't really think that's insignificant. I no. Think, like people who are rich now, like adult rich people, like like super wealthy people are probably very are you around for the check or are you around cause you fuck with me? Yeah. And so it sounds like he appreciated your friendship though. Yeah, you know, he tried he I'm gonna tell you where he fucked up at. Mm. He called me his nigga in front of his white friends. Well, he called me his nigga, period. I never allowed him. Like, he's never even attempted to use the nigga word with yeah. me. But this one night, same night, I go to the crib. Yeah. We, like, getting stupid high. Like, this is back when I feel like New York probably was calling it dro, but in South Florida, it was called crippy. It was, like, strong-ass fucking weed. And it smelled super fruity, smoking this shit. And he was like, yo, this is my nigga right here. And I was like, I said, yo, my man. Let me let you real quick, because I ain't want to embarrass him in front of his folks. I pulled him to the side. was like, yo, man, I was loud enough that they could hear me. Well, you, you're naturally. Yeah. I mean, your voice carries. I was already like, you know, on like 10. I'm like, yeah. the fuck? Hold up, nigga. Yeah. So I go, I'm like, uh, yo, man, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, you know, we have our kind. He's like, but you know, I thought we were. Yeah, we are. But don't ever play with me like that again, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and at that time in my life, I was younger. And I, you know, a, a young Thundercat out mm-hmm. here just doing shit. Mm-hmm. And I probably should have just slapped him up. Oh, just you in, dropped it again. What? You, you brought it up again. What, slapped him up? Yeah. No. Oh. I'm not even talking about him. I'm talking okay. about real life. I probably should have slapped him up because yeah. he was talking reckless. But I also understood my surroundings. You know, the only black dude. I've just, If you ever see me the size I am now, minus... Like with, I've mm-hmm. pretty much been the same height for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. It was it, it was one of those situations where being a big black dude probably not the good look. Not in your favor at that time. But needless to say, our time around each other dwindled after that because yeah. I guess he didn't. I didn't appreciate him calling me a nigga, and I didn't appreciate he didn't appreciate me jjacking him mm. in his pad. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really hang out like that no more. But the 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 moral of that part of the story or journey is that that's where that's what I learned in Florida. South Florida is where I saw like. Money. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, people are really living like this. Like, this. Uh, this is not play play. It's yeah. not a TV set, right? Yeah. I met this dude named Martin Lordy. And 
I'm sure he's dead. Yeah. I'm positive. He was old in and he was wild. Like, we went, like, he owned, I don't remember the name of this building. It was either like a condo building or something, but he owned this building. He lived on, like, the top three floors of it. Like, those were his units. And it wasn't, like, a small building. Like, I remember he was, like, the sleazy white dude. We went to his crib, and this nigga had on, like, silk pajamas with the little, you know, the little silk trouser shit and the jacket. And he had, like, a shitty mustache, and the top of his shit was bald. And we went in. This nigga had, like, mad hooters chicks just running around the crib. It's like, nigga, yo, he had a tanning bed. The stand-up, like, the ones you sit in shits mm-hmm. in his crib. Like, mm. I was like, yo. He was like your real life. Um, definitely not. Playboy. No, uh, the Playboy he, he Mansion guy. He was yeah. like a, he was, yeah, he was the average. I don't even know. I wouldn't say the average. Yeah, he definitely had bread. But yeah. He wasn't doing it like you have because the chicks wasn't yeah. that level of ch- chick. And I remember being, it was hella awkward because I was with this dude named Monty. And we was in there. I don't know what their business was, but I was in there with him. Yeah. And he comes out the back with the pajamas on. This nigga got the wow hard penis, man. Like he's like this might have been a time around Viagra was really. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was still like in clinical trials. I don't know <laughs> what was going on, but I know he had the wow Woody. Like it was like you know how you try to like not look, but you <laughs> like, can't look. Right? It's like, like it's like whistling at you. You like my, my man? You would do something with that. <laughs> so he's talking to us with the wow stiff dick. I'm like, I'm like yo. I tried to get up and walk away. He's like, you want to get a drink? And he's like, and the fact that you're behaving like you don't have the wild stiffy, I'm like, that shit was funny. Wait, anyway, I, I digress. Uh, but right, this so- dude, he was super paid. And I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. the exposure to money there was real. Yeah. And then I went home, South Carolina. Yeah. Wait, how long were you at Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale? Uh, long enough to get, uh, to get associates. Out. Okay, so two years. Yeah. Okay, and then you went back to South Carolina. All right. Oh, for fun tidbit, mm-hmm. I went to school with Venus and Serena Williams at Art Institute for a lot of them. I actually tried to max Serena Williams. I'm putting it on the record. I did. It didn't go well because I'm talking to y'all. That's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go in my favor because I'm sitting here doing this podcast. But I definitely tried to lay my Mac down, and it didn't work. So, yeah. I, wait, I just got to... I'm hearing from my audience. People want to know how, what did you say to Serena? Oh, I played a hella player though. So there we go. Okay. I acted like I didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. Cause I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Like I'm coming from South Carolina. I wasn't I'm tennis. I know. Arthur Ashe, because he had AIDS. And he died. Like, I know that. That's why you know him. That's why I know him AIDS. because that's the South Carolina. I mean, that's the school system. That's yeah. where you learn that shit. And that's why I know him. I didn't know anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I'm standing in line, getting my books and shit to, at, at the Art Institute, and this dude is standing in front of me. I'm standing behind me. He was like, yo. And this chick is like maybe two people in front of me. And she's like, damn, near my height, but her wingspan is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like her back is like a fucking pool table. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's like sexy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like all, you know, smooth and shit. So my man, he's like, yo, you know who that is, right? I was like, nah. He's like, that's one of them tennis chicks. I was like, tennis chicks? Who's that? He was like, you know, the, the black girl, Serena Venus Williams. I had never heard of them before. I was like, really? They play tennis? Niggas ain't had Google back then, so I couldn't just do a quick Google, so I started asking questions, figuring out, and over time, I would see them around, and man, uh, Venus is a pretty woman. Uh, 
but she's very her, her she has like a traditionally athletic at least at that time when I mm-hmm. saw her. Serena, yeah, damn, that shit was crazy. And they would have to like make out like I guess she was like in fashion, so they would make outfits mm-hmm. and wear these outfits at school, and she would just make shit, and I would be like. How is this even possible? Mm-hmm. How are they allowing you to leave? I mean, I guess you're an adult, but I would if that was my daughter, I was like, yo, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, this shit don't got like a, a dress. Ain't no bottom. Like, <laughs> like, it don't got a short set. Like, like, the daf- like the Daffy Duck uniform, right? Just a jacket. Yeah. Pretty much. So yeah. I'm like, uh, so one day I see her. I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to get her. So, you know, I make sure my So I'm about to get her means that she can't say no. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna lock her in. That's I'm how you gotta shoot go this in. Shot That's how and you I'm, gotta and go I'm gonna in. win the game. Okay. Just as a big just game, the scene. Hunter, you yeah. gotta believe yeah. that I'm gonna win. So what did you have on that day? Because you had to have the winning outfit on, right? I did not. Okay, all right. But you still a, gonna this win. This is another funny story. <laughs> so I moved from New York to Fort Lauderdale. I don't have any clothing. Yeah. I just have in New York, all I have is fatigues and Tim's. Mm-hmm. So I get to for a lot of them, I just buy some t-shirts and cut all of my fatigues in the shorts. And I wore Tim's fatigues for like months before I could afford to buy actual like for, for clothes. So I'm sure I was out there looking like, yo like, son, yo like son. Yeah, it. like yo, my, yo God. Son, son God kid. Son <laughs> like, God yo, kid. All of this shit. Yeah. So, all right, so you about to shoot that shot. I'm about to shoot my shot. Yeah. She's standing there. The, crowd, the crowd is roaring you on. No, no. No, okay. I roll up. She's standing there. I'm like, uh, hey, how you doing? She's like, hey, I was like, uh, I said, I might have said some slick shit about it. like something about the weather, like you know, some other weather. She's like, yeah. And so I, was, I was like, nice. I was like, yo, my name is Anthony. And she was like, hey, how you doing? My name is Serena. I was like, oh, that's what's up. I, said, I had a cousin named Serena, so I, I played it like I didn't know who she was because I really didn't. So I kind of just kept the conversation. But let me finish. I wasn't player. I just started talking to her, mm-hmm. and she was talking to me, mm-hmm. and we were having a conversation just mm-hmm. about school like what's like what's going on with school I, I kept it away from her mm-hmm. tennis life just about school because you're so smooth not yeah. really smooth but just like i'm sure you talk about this shit all the time yeah so you know we talking mm-hmm. and she's talking to me mm-hmm. this is how i feel this is why i feel like i might not have been macking but i would have at, at the very least i felt like i had a rapport that we could have known each other mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but venus comes out <sighs> she's like we got to go. We got to go to practice. Exactly. Did I tell you the story? Already? No. We got to go to practice. Daddy said, you know, because I don't know who King Richard is. This is years later. This is decades. It's like two, three decades, like legit two decades yeah. later. I don't know who it is. But yeah. I'm like, and I remember she was like, she was still standing there and they had a car come to get them at school. Yeah. Like a town car. Yeah. And I don't know if like you watch wrestling, you know, who Chris Benoit is. Mm-hmm. You don't know who Chris Benoit is. I do know who Chris Benoit is. The wrestler. <laughs> Whatever. So Chris Benoit, he used to be a wrestler. He killed himself here in Atlanta, I think, not recently. Like, like maybe not too long ago. But the the uh, driver looked like Chris Benoit. That's why every time I think about this, I'm like, so big Chris Benoit, look at motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So he gets out the van's white boy, this nigga neck is fucking like an oak tree. Mm-hmm. Big. He's like, yeah, your father sent me. It's time to go. And he opened the door and they got in and she was like, you know, I was like, all right, you know, it's good talking to you. She was like, maybe we'll see each other again. I was like, you know, I didn't say anything. I was like, I just kind of did whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know it never happened. I never had opportunity to yeah. speak again. I'm not saying that it could have happened. What I am saying is that I wasn't afraid. Yeah. That's I saw my opportunity. I was like, fuck it. What's the worst that could happen here? Mm-hmm. So do you really have a cousin named Serena? 
No, I absolutely do not. Okay. So you started off with a lie, but it was working for you. I don't understand what women want. Women are like, <laughs> Did I don't you understand. Have to say I have a cousin named Serena. Can you just said nice to meet you? No, no, no. You need to you need to bond as fast as possible. Do you think that that oh, so you think she was like, Oh, he's a he's Maybe. legit because he has a cousin with my name. And, and I need it ain't even about her. Some of it is about her. It's about making her feel comfortable talking to me talking to me. And another part, let me finish, is bridging the gaps of silence so I can think of what to say. Because so I want to get you to talk as much as possible so I can think about the next thing I'm so gonna say. So that bought you time. Yes, it was I have definitely a a So, so you know what? We're gonna we're gonna exactly. have to. Yeah, let's just. Yes. I know. Hey, listeners, thank you so much again for for staying with us. I'm here with Spike Alicia Spike Spielberg of Boomy <laughs> <laughs> Media Group. It's an absolute pleasure. This guy, this guy, um, is affectionately known as the Big Homie. But I mean, I'm learning so much more about you, Spike. Like, I can't wait for the next segment. Don't go away. We'll see you on the other side. Nothing. Watching a game show, having a bud. What's up with you? Nothing. I'm watching a game show and I'm having a bud. True, true. What's up? What's that? Who is that? Yo, pick up the phone. Hello? What's that? What's up? What's up? Where's Dorothy? Yo. Yo. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? So what's going on, B? Nothing. Watching a game show, having a bud. True. True. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Small Talk Big Names with your host, Niche Air. I am here again with the most awesome videographer and content creator in the southeast my words not his in the southeast he's amazing but he's also one of my best friends um so spike okay so you've taken us through we've gone from south carolina to new york back to south carolina to fort lauderdale back to south carolina where next i am i go to missouri yeah (laughs) why missouri love will make you do crazy things okay that's a good thing that's a good reason right as a young person. Yes. And I just slid that one in. Um, yeah. So I was seeing this chick in the military and she was stationed at Fort Leonard Wood. I don't know if you were, if anyone out there is familiar with that, it is called affectionately by the military personnel Fort Lost in the Woods. Cause there ain't <laughs> shit out there, bro. <laughs> nothing. Nothing is out there. Like it's a hundred miles between St. Louis it's 100 miles to St. Louis and 100 miles to Springfield. Oh, so in either way? Either, either direction. way, you're 100 mm-hmm. miles from you're just out there. And I lived in this small town called Rolla, Missouri. Rolla. Rolla. That's mm-hmm. where the University of Missouri, their engineering school was there. Okay. So I went there. Uh, you went to the engineering program? No. no oh, you no, lived I in the town? I was there. Yeah. So I was there with this, you know, seeing this chick. But I really, I saw her sometime, but she was in the military, so that was kind of weird. But yeah. I would just say that. That was a weird time in my life because I was having an identity issue. Like I had this job as a, you know, you go to Staples and then somebody had to build a chair. Somebody had to build a desk that you go to oh, Staples yeah, and look yeah, at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was that guy. I would go to stores and build furniture and oh, shit Oh, like you that. were the assembly guy. The assembly guy. Yeah. And I come in and, you know, do it to spec, whatever. And that was my job. So I was living in Rolla 
And first job I had to wear khakis and a polo every day. So I didn't. I owned a lot of khakis and polos. And yeah, I was definitely the only time I saw a black face was brushing my teeth in the morning. With her? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when I wasn't around her, I didn't see any black people. And she would, like, have to go off as, as, you know, in the military, you go off on, like, these things, these trainings, missions, whatever, where they're away. So she would be gone. So I I wouldn't even see her. And I was just there. And I was, I was, I'm going to keep it 100. I was, I was... I was not really feeling as black as I should, mm. right? I was—I don't know. I was like, "What does that mean? As black as you should?" I bought a cat. Oh, and I'm not saying black people don't get cats. I'm just saying that me it, as a black man. You're saying Orangeburg black men don't buy cats. I'm just saying that I, as a black man, yeah, I went out on a cat. What was the name of your cat? I do not remember. Okay. I got the cat because the girl lived next door to me had a cat. And I feel like if I had a cat, we'd have something to talk about. As opposed to, let's talk about your cat. So. That didn't cross your mind. You know, what Missouri taught me was uh, I, I need to be around black people. Like, I, I need to be around my people. Like, living there wasn't, like, I was, I'm being funny about the whole in the mirror thing. Like, I was an oddity. It was crazy. Like, I would be out. Like that joke that joke Dave Chappelle said about uh, Clifford the big black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit is real. Mm-hmm. I'm out here being big and black and, you know, they used to be like, because people were lucky enough to live in areas that have a nice black population. They, I don't know if you know how lucky you are because it's parts like, if you live in like the Midwest, like urban areas, like, like uh, rural, super rural areas, man. It's, it's parts of this country where they really don't come in contact with us like that. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you for a fact, Missouri, man, listen, outside of St. Louis or whatever else they got going on, man, the Ozarks, new, new. I ain't seen no black people out there. Mm-hmm. And living out there, I started having an identity crisis, fucking tucking my shirt in and shit. With khakis every day, I just wasn't feeling it, mm-hmm. and I came, I came down here because the chick I was there, she's about to get sent to Korea. I'm definitely not going to Korea, which I probably should have, but I would have had to marry her, and that would have been weird, and I wouldn't have did that. So I don't know for some reason I came down here. I was like, I want to go to Atlanta. Matter of fact, I know exactly what it was. It was. You don't give a damn. We don't give a fuck. Little John and the East Side Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, was it was Young Bloods and the East Side Boys. That song. Dun, dun, dun. That song. I heard that song. I was like, Atlanta. Fuck it. Why not? But like to go back, like Ti's "I'm Serious" album was the reason like I wanted to come to Atlanta. So for for me going to New York to Florida to Missouri, all these different places, I always wanted to come here to Atlanta, but. It never, it never worked out. So I was uh, living in Missouri. I was listening to the song, watching the video, and I was like, man, I'm going to go down to Atlanta for the weekend. So I go down to Atlanta. I come down here. I don't know anybody. Uh, shit's amazing. Did you fly or drive? I drove. Okay. I drove. Uh, I had a 92 Honda Accord. I drove down here, and it was cool. I had a good time for flying out. And it was crazy because I only stayed like two days. 
And then I went back. And when I went back, I just was like, yo, fuck that. I'm, I'm out. out. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 whatever, I had a 9200 core, whatever could fit in my car, I put it in my car. Whatever I could. And I just opened the door and was like, yo, everything's for sale. And sold what I could and gave away what I could. And I came down here. And I moved down here with, I had enough to pay for my first month, like to get into an apartment. And I had enough to buy a bag of rice and like a, a like the big, what is it, the 24 thing of eggs? Because in South Carolina, well, in Orangeburg, we eat, like eggs and rice is a thing. Mm-hmm. That's like a staple that should mm-hmm. hold you down. So I was like, I got eggs and rice, I'm good. And that was in 2003, 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. When I came out here, I just was like, man, I like this shit. Yeah. Like to be able to come here, like one of the things I appreciate most about Atlanta is when I got here, I saw like people that looked like me that was, uh, that appeared to be living well. Like, you know, nice cars. Uh, healthy. When you, healthy. When you go to, uh, to like deal with municipal services and shit like that. It's black people in there. Uh, you turn on the TV, it's like ads for black, black, black lawyers, black doctors. Mm-hmm. Like if you see yourself in your mm-hmm. environment, <clears throat> and I was like, "Fuck that!" I like, I know. I, so I, I, I came, like I stayed. I was like, "Man," nah. and and the time I've been here, I definitely being a young because I think I moved here and I was like maybe twenty three, mm-hmm. and that time I learned a lot, like. To now, like mm-hmm. I'm like from then to now, it's like it's different. Because mm-hmm. when I was younger, yeah. yeah, when I was younger, it was it was crazy. But now, at 41, it's pretty dope, you know. So, what happened to the cat? Oh, some people are not gonna want to hear this. All right, so let's not say it. I'm not. I, I didn't hurt the cat. <laughs> Did you give the cat away? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's a responsible thing. I. Open the door and let the cat out. Yes. <laughs> but I did it in a neighborhood that I knew. When I rode through there, I was like, these people, any animal left out here, they're taking care of this animal. Nothing's going to like, like, you're going to eat amazingly well. Someone's going to, you're going to get a new name. So, yeah. Cause I didn't, I wasn't mad at, I mean, I was mad at it was shit in my bed, but I wasn't mad at the cat cause you know, that was me. I did that. But yeah, I had to, I let him go in a, in a, in a really prestigious neighborhood. Yeah. I was like, yes, these people would definitely take and, and, and they will get you the help you deserve. Cause if I took it back to the, to the, I got it. Like it was like a uh, shelter cat. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's a thing. And if I took it back, they probably going to kill it. Mm. So I was like, the best thing I can do is let you go, man. Mm-hmm. To the wow. Of of this posh upper class. Yes. <laughs> you can go through their trash. Oh my gosh. I, I was about to tell you this gross ass story. Remember that? So, so you moved to Atlanta, which welcome to the A. A. And what did you I'm sure it was much faster than Missouri. Well, by the time I moved here, I was already moving and grooving. Yeah. Like I already was aware of New York and and uh, Fort Lauderdale yeah. had prepared me mentally. So and what? So did you go straight into video work? Did you go straight into what did you do? Oh my God, such a lame ass story. Uh, I used to work for the Dollar General. Okay. As a stock guy. Now that's not the lame part of the story. Okay. 
So I move here. I'm still in khaki button up mode. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I have any. Like I, I, as far as I know, I don't have any family in Atlanta. Yeah. So I'm doing what I was doing in Missouri. Yeah. I was living out like in Marietta, working at the Dollar General stocking stores. But I was like, I would go to different stores to stock them. So I didn't really work for one store. And I don't really feel like I work for Dollar General. I feel like I work for a company at Dollar General hired. Mm, like a contractor. Yeah, something like that. So everything's cool. I'm doing the job. Shit's going well. Uh, well, not well. I have hung out with some white dudes. That instance, I hang out with the white dudes in Kennesaw is why I don't hang out with white dudes like that no more. Like I... I don't want to, I mean, you can take it however you want. That mm-hmm. experience, I was just like, I'm never doing this again. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Uh, find out I have a cousin who lives here. Mm-hmm. I call my mom one day. She's like, you know your cousin? I don't want to even say his name because I don't want to put him out there like that. I'm like, your cousin is out there. I'm like, yeah. Uh, what's his number? I have to get his number, call him up. Uh, he's like, yo, meet me at Cumberland Mall. I said, right, I'm going to come out. I don't know where coming to the mall is. And this is back when... This like is before we, GPS. Oh, absolutely. This is when you left the fucking MapQuest directions on the kitchen counter and be pissed. You're like, damn it, I can't believe I left the MapQuest. So, nah. Like, we would... Uh, I, I, I figured out how to get to come to the mall, go down there. Uh, this nigga's late, which I've, over time, come to find out that's his thing. He's late. I'm walking through the mall and guess who I meet? Hmm. Savannah Mama. Oh, love at first sight. We're not going to really talk a lot about that. So Yeah. Shout so I out. Meet, I meet. Shout out. Yes. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't, don't want to talk about that. I know. But what I say is that I met Savannah's mom, my uh, ex-wife, mm-hmm. and that was a glorious chapter of my life. Yeah. And that's when shit just went left. Not, but not because of her. Let me right, clear that right, up. Right. It was like once I leaned over my cousin, it just I was just pulled into the underbellies of society, man. I was out here. It was just not cool. Yeah. Like I literally hung out with him one day and like quit my job the next day. I was like, I'm never going back there. Not if you get money like this. Yeah. So yeah. I'm out here yeah. doing whatever. Yeah. You know, getting involved in little shenanigans here and there, making some money. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's what happened. Fuck, um, I get I get in trouble for something, and the lawyer I get is like, uh, you know, you should go back to school. You know, even if you don't really want to go, just go back and look, make it look like you're doing something with your life. So when mm-hmm. you do go to trial, because oh, I was you on, have a story, yeah. You know, it's like, yo, you know, get you. She was like, get a job, mm-hmm. go back to school. So when and I'm still, you know, I'm still young. I'm mm-hmm. probably like 24. Like, so when when you go to trial, like when you go like or when you go before the solicitor. Or the prosecutor, I got some leverage. I can say, yeah. hey, he's been da da da. So I do that. I go to school and I go to school for graphic design. Because, mm-hmm. oh, scratch. When I was in Florida, I didn't go to school for a video. Oh, yeah. All. What did you study at? I studied broadcasting. Okay. Which was not the move. Yeah. So I get here, I study a photo, like a graphic design. Okay. I, st- I don't even talk about that shit because that's crazy too. But uh, <laughs> like I get, I go to, I go to the school, and the reason I'm talking about that is because because I've learned a little bit about Photoshop and how to make like designs and shit. I end up meeting this dude who needed some DVD covers designed for him, and uh, he gave me the assets and was like, "Hey, can you move the stuff around?" It wasn't really a design. He was like, "Can you move it around for me?" So I moved the stuff around, did it, and when I came to bring him the files. 
he was editing the DVD, like editing the video. And I was like, yo, man, what is that? And he was like, I'm editing the DVD. And I was like, what you mean? He was like, yo, you put the footage in and you chop it up how you want. And I was like, that's all you need is a computer? He was like, yeah. So I was like, man, that should look like it's fun. He gave me, he turned, he went in his drawer. He was like, here, man, it's the program. It was like Pinnacle 10. And I don't know if people who edit that shit was old. And it was like, not good. So I started off with some bullshit. And he gave me this. I didn't even have a computer. Like, I don't even remember how I got a computer. Like, uh, oh, this dude used to have a, a spot on College Park, over by College Park train station. I got a computer from him. And I, like, I didn't have a camera, so I used to get footage from him or, like, download footage from movies and edit that footage so I could learn how to use the software. And I watched, like, a, I think this was, like, I don't know anything YouTube was popping like that yet. I think it was just starting to, like, bubble. Yeah, this was around the time when YouTube was, like, coming out. Wasn't a lot of people making videos, so you had to, like, read blogs and shit like that. So I taught myself like that, and like I just never stopped. I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Like I got my, I got the, I got the camera, and eventually I bought a. Uh, I mean, I had the computer, and eventually I bought a camera, and it was like a little hand, a Sony Handycam. Mm-hmm. This is back when Mini DV was mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and I was running around with that filming. Like we was doing the, <laughs> we was doing the black version of Girls Go Wild. I was fucking with this nigga. And like we go to like Daytona Beach, all of the little black events, and film it, and then make a DVD, and then go back the next year. Like they like sell it, but when you went back the next year, you had that DVD to sell mm-hmm. of the last event. And you have like he had like five or six of them that he could sell, so we was out there doing that. And I don't know. I had this. Oh, I had this job, man, as a as a as a travel agent. And I fucking like this is I think it's my first real adult job, and it was so crazy. Like that experience was like that right there was like, I never want to do this again. This is the worst. Like it was that was the first time I was in an environment where you couldn't just punch somebody in the face for talking slick. Mm. Like I wasn't like I didn't have the conflict resolution skills to be dealing around in no fucking office. I was still out like right before like right before that. I was just in a space where. If shit went left, slaps could be given out, punches, whatever. Like, you can handle it. But now you in here in this environment. Motherfuckers talking crazy. I hated that job. But I had a kid. And I had to take, you know, do what you got to do for your kids and your family and shit. So I worked there. And I stayed. And I was the last person. I was the first salesperson there. Like one of, I was in the first group of salespeople they hired. Or the second group of salespeople. And I was the last salesperson to leave. Mm. Because the company... Uh, this is a whole nother story. It's like so many little offshoot stories that come off this shit. Like the CEO of this company is like stealing money. So he's like private jets. All the, like the shit is damn near international man of mystery. I mean, he's just a scumbag. Oh, cause no. I feel like an international man of mystery. It's not a scumbag. Yeah. You don't want to, you're not hurting people. Yeah. You're just a good guy. Right. You know, you just do it, get it how you live. Yeah. They had to downsize, and by the end of the downsize, and they offered me opportunity to move to Las Vegas. It's like, yo, you can move to Vegas and work at our Vegas office. We'll keep you on, or you can stay in Atlanta. And I was like, they was like, we'll give you money to move you to Las Vegas. And I was like, how much? I think it was like 1500 bucks. I was like, 
nigga, that ain't enough to get us there. Like, like, that ain't enough to get all three of us there. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, I end up staying here, and I remember this conversation with the uh, the HR lady. You know, you do exit. Exit interview. Exit interview. Mm-hmm. So she's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to start my own business. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I've been shooting these videos. Because by this time, I have, I've i been doing it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I had, like, a whole, I made it a whole DVD. I had a bunch of, like, stuff. Like, I had just a bunch of footage that I had edited. But I had really no way to put it because yeah. I feel like MySpace was the shit then. Mm-hmm. Like, MySpace was popping. So it really wasn't, I feel like you could edit stuff and put up there, but it wasn't, like, what came after it wasn't like oh, yeah. Facebook or yeah. it wasn't nothing like that right so I just had all of the stuff and I was like man I didn't know I didn't know what I was gonna do I just knew that I did not want to do that anymore and I had then uh, like invested time and energy and money into this and I was like I'm going to do this mm-hmm. so by this time I still don't really have a good camera I'm mm-hmm. still using like my little handy cam and I realized that I want to make money I'm like it goes from like passion to like just doing it for fun and like yo people will, will pay you for this mm-hmm. so I hanging out with my cousin ran into a situation that worked out really well and I ended up getting this money and it's like the universe is lined up for me it's like, hey I got the bread my rent was due and I just had enough to cover the rent or buy the camera and I was like cause like the situation I was with my cousin I knew he had more money so I was just like worst kind of worst I'll just ask him for the bread for rent so I committed to the camera. I was like, yo, I'm about to scam. Because it was like, un, 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 it was it was one of the situations you just could not say no. Because like prior to this, situations had occurred where I tried to get the money to buy a better camera because I really wanted to do this. And I'm not going to go down that road, but it, it didn't happen. This particular situation panned out, and it worked out great because I had the money at the right time. The dude had, uh, I think he got hurt. He was like, I really don't use this stuff no more. I want to sell it. It came with a kit, like a bag, everything. I, I was ready to go. My yeah. first purchase was I was ready to go. Yeah. And I just hit the ground running. Started shooting videos for people. Wow. I remember going out shooting videos for free. Going for free. And I remember going to like super traps, nigga. Like, <laughs> like going places where uh, shit, you know, you might, you, you could be getting robbed and somebody will rob the nigga that's robbing you. Like, everybody just robbed up on the street. Like, it was a bad area. Peter DePaul? Yeah, like, just <laughs> crazy. So, I would, I remember this one dude, his name was Lil Hot and the Money Man. Little uh, Hot and the Money Man? No, little Lil Hot, the Money Man. Oh, oh, okay. Lil right. Hot, the Money Man. Yeah, so, um, he, I knew he knew this chick that I grew up with. I want to knock on wood and say, God bless him. Cause he, I got no wood in here, but he passed away. Mm. Um, I grew up with this chick who knew him and I had heard some of his songs and I was like, yo man, that's it. I'm gonna go shoot some videos for him. I was like, yo, just introduce me to the nigga. She would, you know, sort of did, but not really. It was like a soft intro, like a phone intro. So I go over there cause I'm familiar with the area and I asked for him, and it's like real. I'm rolling up, see, yo, man, it's, 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 it's hot here. Like, yeah, he's like, who are you? I was like, yo, man, my name is blah, blah, blah. I wasn't even Spike Spielberg yet. I was just my regular name. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was the cameraman because I didn't want to tell niggas my name. Yeah. So I gave him, I told him what it was. I was like, yo, man, I want to shoot a video for you. He was like, how much you charge? I was like, man, I'll do it for free because I don't have no other video. Like, I, I just want to shoot some. He was like, man, if you do it for free, you must be, you must suck. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I'll let you shoot something for me. So needless to say, well, it is, I guess, not needless to say, but me and this dude become pretty cool. So I've shot, I think I shot maybe two or three videos for him. 
Uh, I did like some DVD sort of stuff for him. He turned out to be, it turned out to be a good opportunity. Like yeah. I met people through him. Um, I didn't really make any money. Because, but that wasn't your goal, though. Oh, it definitely was. Oh. After I got the first video done oh, yeah. and the response I got, I was, you know, because at the same time, I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat this shit and make it sound like it was all gravy because it wasn't. Yeah. I still had, uh, uh, not a wife, I think it was just like shacking had a up. family, yeah. I had a family. So I needed to be making bread. Yeah. And on that side of the fence, I was getting a lot of, you know, this, I was secure. I felt like this, I felt like I knew this was going to happen. I was like, yo, I'm, you know, it's only a matter of time before I start making money doing this because I feel like anything that you do, if you do enough of it, it'll work out. Yeah. So I'm doing this thing and no one is like, that's the, that's the, whole, that's the whole other side of the coin. There's no belief. Like there's no one rooting for me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, at least not yet mm -hmm. because I met you. Mm-hmm. But I think you were the first person who believed and made me believe because mm -hmm. I was like not really believing. Mm -hmm. And I meet, uh, so I, like, I, like I said, I had a family. Uh, I'm getting a lot of, whoa, it's like a, like that's a, that's a contentious point mm -hmm. in our relationship. Uh, my relationship with her family was a little, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. which as a, an adult with, with, a, with a daughter, I could see that. Yeah, you understand you know, why. I understand yeah. why you would feel it. I probably would handle it differently, but that's me. Mm -hmm. Only probably because I've been through it. And I would, you know, whatever. So that's the other side of the coin. So I'm definitely trying to get paid. Yeah. So yeah. I meet people. I end up meeting this dude in Tennessee. His name is D. Scott. Shout out D. Scott if you ever hear this, which I seriously doubt you will. I don't really, I don't know. That's no insult to him. I just don't think, I feel like he would hear this. Yeah. But uh, shout out to you. He, like, these people just expose me to different parts of the, the business. Yeah. Like, I realized, like, the short of the long here is these like these people that I was meeting there. I realized quick that that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, like I didn't want to shoot music videos because rappers don't have money. Uh, at least the rappers that you have access to. Like if you can get that you somebody, can just walk up to. Yeah, if you were able to get with somebody who was investing, like, like if you were lucky enough to attach your wagon to the star of someone who is really working, someone who has a great work ethic. Work, work ethic and they're out here really putting in this doing what need to be done and that's in that blow then that's great but what you realize doing video is like you know a lot of these dudes they're, they're only doing it or a lot of these people are only doing it because that's the cool thing to do they're not really serious about it mm -hmm. which is not a problem mm -hmm. if it's a hobby it's cool it's just uh a hobby like you're, if you're you're not going to invest the money into it like that i would need to be rocking with somebody because I, I remember uh uh what was it rick ross had spliff films or something like that with him mm -hmm. a spiff film something like that like a, a relationship i don't know what their relationship was actually like but a relationship like that where this dude was producing all of this content for you you was giving him budgets to make stuff like that wasn't happening mm -hmm. so i realized early that nah i, I, I like even now that's the investment right yeah. that's what you're saying yeah. yeah like rappers is like I feel like so I feel like a vampire and you got holy water when you say rappers to me. Mm. And you talk, I'll be like, uh, get away. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with it because the headache is way more than it's worth. Yeah. And uh I so I started doing other types of videos. Kids' uh -huh. birthday parties, like <laughs> whatever. Like I would do anything that was paying. Anything that needed right, right. Yeah. And so I started doing these club videos, going to clubs, which was still sort of in the rap thing. That I met this dude. Mm-hmm. And he was a supposed power player in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. like, and this is where I started learning more about the, like, that, like this is where I learned that this is business. It's, 
Like, I think at this point, I probably didn't even have a contract. I didn't have nothing. Everything was done, like, on on the on the word. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen's never, agreement. Yeah, gentlemen's agreements, because I wasn't playing for a lot of money. It wasn't like I was getting jobs that was paying thousands of dollars. It was, you know, a few hundred here and there. And those hundreds add up, and you're able to make some moves. And sometimes you wasn't. Sometimes you just fucked up. But I met this one dude. I ain't even going to say his name. But matter of fact, I will say his name. Because ultimately, when the situation went down, I felt the way. But I felt like the dude taught me one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned as a businessman. This dude, his name was Alvin James. And he was uh, something at the Black Family Channel. So he would bring me video to, like, edit for him. Like, yo, edit this. And it would be weird stuff. Like, he was trying to launch this men's shopping network Mm. thing, which I feel like probably could have took off in the 80s. But I feel like it was so close to the Internet being what it is now. Oh, it difficult. Yeah, it was just people were already moving from TV, like, Mm kind of gradually moving away from that. So... I would do stuff for him and he would pay me like thousands. You know, I'd get two, three thousand dollars for a job. And I'm trying to like get the get the mm-hmm. like get the timeline right. So Michael Jackson dies. Mm-hmm. And he has footage of Michael Jackson, some un, some archive footage from a radio station in Gary, Indiana. So never seen before, and some never before seen Michael Jackson footage that he is trying to sell to, I'm assuming, TMZ for a gang of bread. So he has gives me this big ass tape, uh, like, because at this time it was like mini DVD tapes, but he gave me like this big ass newsreel tape. Mm. So I had to take it somewhere, get the footage off of that onto like something that I could edit. Cut off. He wanted me to cut off the front end, the news part, and try to get rid of the news emblem on the bottom. So I did that. He was like, "Yo, uh, I think it was like, I want to say he's, I, I want to say he, he was like, I'm gonna give you eight thousand dollars or something like that." And I was like, cool. So he gave me 3000 up front. It's the most he ever gave me up front. I still don't have no contract. I still wasn't there yet. And I do the video. I go to get my money. And this dude says, I remember we was at Piedmont Park at Park Tavern in the back. Like, because the, the, the location plays into the story. And the dude is like, I'm not going to. He looked at me in the face and was like, I'm not going to pay you. And I was like, excuse me? He was like, I'm not going to give you $5,000. And I was like, why? I was like, what you mean? He was like, you didn't make me sign the contract. Legally, I don't owe you anything. And I was like, what? And then he just went in. He was like, just be happy. He was like, just be glad. And it could have been less than five or more than five. I don't know what it was. But it was a lot of money to me at the time. I want to. I really want to say it was about five grand. And he was like, just be happy. It's, 20, it's, it's, it's five and not 25. And I was looking at him and I was bubbling. And he just went in on me. He was like, yo. He never raised his voice or nothing. He was like, yeah, I know you're upset. And you probably want to beat me up. But know this. Uh, we at the Piedmont Park, the Park Tavern. We probably the only two black men out here. If you hit me, you definitely going to jail. And I'm going to press charges. And you're going to have to pay to get out of jail. Like, he's telling me what's going to happen. He was like, these are all the things going to happen. He was like, so the best thing you could do is just walk away. He's already thought through it. Yeah. He was he was he was on he was living in three thousand and I was living in two thousand. Yeah. Like, I'm like so I'm I, he just boxed me and I, I there was nothing I could do. Angry, like arr, like I like I'm baking on this bread. Like I got a family, bro. Like my fucking ladies looking at me crazy. You know, like 
I'm not providing. Like, like I, I wasn't handling the business like it needed to be handled. And it wasn't just because of this, but I was banking on this to pull me out of that. Yeah. And it did not happen. And, 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 and grown man shit, I had, to, I had to like eat that shit. I had to be like, yo, he right. It's really nothing I could do. He outplayed me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't beat him up, even though I really wanted to, because that would have cost me more. I couldn't take him to court. We didn't have no agreement. We didn't even have emails. That shit was all conversation. Nothing. But the universe is a motherfucker. Mm. He gets ready to sell the footage to TMZ, but TMZ went the originals. Which you have. I do not have. I gave to him. Mm. I gave to him with the digital copy. I gave it to him. But he didn't have it. He calls me back. Hey, did you ever give me back my footage? And I was like, yeah. I gave it back to you the same day. He's like going in, like talking to me, like you just ain't beat me out. I was, because I mean, I legit didn't have it. I gave it to him. I was like, dude, you need to check the trunk of your car or something. I put it in the trunk of your car. The joy of him going off on me, like I stole his shit, you stole my shit. Like, nigga, it's crazy. But that shit taught me a valuable lesson. Get that shit in right. Ain't no trust in business. That's why it's contracts. You can't trust motherfuckers, man. And that made that took me that shit, that, that took it from being like a, a hobby, because at this point I don't know. I mean, the story is a little mixed up because I'm sure I met you probably like right after that, mm-hmm. because by that time I was like figuring out like what you I had even, more of the business elements. Yeah, right? I was like shooting stuff that required. Yeah, like, I was I was looking for a, a specific type of clientele. Yeah. So when did you? When were you a security guard? I lived in oh. So you mean like, okay. So when I lived in Charlotte, I was a security guard. Oh yeah, is that one okay? Yeah. I didn't know this is like both stories really happened, but I was a security guard in Charlotte at this place called a Players Club. Well, this place it was a place that was this place was called Top Dog Security, and they did security at different places. And okay. one of those places was called a Players Club, and another one was called something else. That was a significant time in my life because that was the first time I had real interaction with strippers and I learned a lot about women, like just like how not to get caught up in the game. Mm-hmm. But that's all another story. But the, what you were talking about is I was living on the west side and I'm, I was hanging out with this chick who's super cool and she's old pussy. And I was aware of it. After a while of hanging out where I kind of figured out, oh, you sell ass. And I was not really wit. Like I wasn't dating mm-hmm. my ex-wife then. It was just, mm-hmm. we just kind of knew each other. Mm-hmm. And so I was hanging out with this chick and one day she's like, hey, can you take me somewhere? It's like, cool. So I go there with her. She was like, can you come up? Can you come outside? Just look tough. She's like, get out the car and look tough and wait for me to come back out. So I got out the car, I walked into the thing, look tough. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> look tough. So I'm like, Looking like what the fuck? Because I did. Again, I'm here, but I'm Atlanta's a different beast. Yeah, this shit different. Yeah. So I do that. I get back in the car, and I'm like, "What's that all about?" And she's like, "You know, I didn't want them to know that I was by myself, and I didn't want them to feel like they could do anything to me." So I didn't really think anything about it, and it would happen more often. I would get the offer from her, or it would be her or her friends, or there would be like group activities. Like, hey, can you go with us? Mm-hmm. So I've done it a few times. I don't know, a few. I'm not going to say how many, but it was a few. And I was talking to this dude, and I was this is, I was hanging on Fulton Industrial, which 
probably you shouldn't be doing any right, fucking way. Right. And I was talking to this dude who was like a pimp. And he was talking to me like I was a pimp. And I was confused. <laughs> I was like, I'm not a pimp. He's like, I'm an employee. Like at, at, at this point, I understand what's happening. They want me to to go with them and look tough. And they I would they didn't give me all their money. They they paid me. They was like, here, take 20 bucks or take 30 bucks or whatever they felt. I felt like I got a tip for being there. Yeah. Like, I wasn't giving them money. They was giving me bread. And the dude was like, hey, man, you know, because a pimp, I mean, I only met two real pimps in my life. And one of them was this person with three. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, you, I see you slapping and you slacking on your Mac. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, uh, you know, you let these bitches talk back to you and shit, man. What's up with that? I'm like, excuse me? Bitches. I'm like, who them? He's like, yeah. I'm like, my friends. My talk back to me. Like, <laughs> what is going on here? I'm like, what are we, what are you talking about? And so like now I figured out that he thinks that, you know, that I'm a, I'm, a, peers. I'm yeah, like I'm his peer and these yeah. my bitches. And I'm like, you know, so I guess at some point in time the conversation came up about taking a more official role. In that situation, which in the organization, in the organization, like not in the organization, but in their situation, because it was like four or five of them, yeah, that was friends, and I feel like they might have proposed me about pimping, but I feel like that probably wasn't a good idea. They, if they, if I feel like if they approached me about pimping them, they weren't very good hoes. But you weren't even a pimp. How would you know? I would, because I'm I'm not even a pimp. (laughs) I'm like, you got the wrong nigga for that shit. What do you want me to do? Cause, cause, are there any courses? You yeah, take? like if I go online, is a Udemy course in this shit? Like, so, so when I'm when I'm talking to the dude who's telling me about the pimping, he's like, you know, you need to put your foot in these bitches, and I'm like, you mean hit him? He's like, yeah. He's like, man, what you talking about, man? You got to beat these bitches because if you don't beat them, they ain't gonna listen to you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not cool with that. Like, I'm not right, right then. I'm like, I'm not a pimp. Like, if that's a requirement of pimping, I don't have that in me. Were you trying to convince him that you weren't a pimp? I don't really feel like I was. I feel like I was really trying to figure out what he was saying to me. Because mm. I was, you know. Because you I, weren't expecting this conversation. Yeah, and I saw yeah. opportunities for growth. I was like, well, shit. If I can get more chicks and I could be the security dude. Oh, I you, get right, more right, right. You know, like I can offer this service. Right. <laughs> and I don't, you're like, you don't have to, I'm not going to beat you. Like a, like a diet pimp or yeah. like a pimp light. I'm a, a pseudo pimp. Yeah. I'm like uh, the Whole Foods pimping. Then you feel a, pimp, a pimping intern. Yeah. But, I, but I'm not pimping yeah. because. Y'all no, no, no contact pimping. Yeah. Like I'm I'm just a security guard. Yeah. I'm not a pimp yeah. because I feel like a pimp takes your money and he give you what he wants and he beat you like a pimp is making you do this. They were really your pimp. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was being pimped. Yeah. And when I thought about it, like, because at the time when I thought about what was happening, I was like, this could easily, I'm talking to the dude, I'm like, I could easily, not easily, but I could, this could be a, a perceived as me pimping. And I don't want that. You were being pimped, but to a pimp, you were disrespecting pimping. And you were just like, I'm just a security guard. I, I, was, just... I was simping, probably. That's probably what they call simping. <laughs> simping. I was simping. Yes, I wasn't pimping because I'm telling you, yeah, like I was not that because like when I like, like to to talk to a woman how a pimp talk to a woman, I'm not. That's not you. Yeah, I'm not like that, man. I'm I'm I could I really wish I could tell you the story because it's super explicit, but it's so fucking funny. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell it, but I'll just say 
when I have to say things really aggressive to a woman or something, like even if it's like, you know, dirty talk, I kind of phrase it in the question. <laughs> I'm like, go make me a sandwich? <laughs> so I can always get out of it and be like, oh, I was asking you. Because you ain't, you know, I, I, I was raised by my mom, right? So the respect for women and the fact that I, you know, I had a daughter, Mm-hmm. Two daughters. Yeah, you know my like I got a lot of respect for women mm-hmm. as a man, right? So I'm not, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not that dude. He's you, you gonna have to beat these bitches. I'm uncomfortable with the amount of bitches he using at this point in time in my life because because I'm older now, I understand the game a little bit better. Yeah, I feel a little bit differently. Yeah. But then I was, you know, like can we tone it down? Yeah, Dad? like, like my, I'm, my my my, my mom is a woman. Da, 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 da. Yeah, like and I'm like so. That was crazy. I don't even know I'm telling you a story. You brought that up. So yeah. I just told you what happened. So, so soon after, I understand that they, they, they relinquished you of your role. Yeah, I was. I was Because uh, you weren't doing essentially what he was saying that you should be doing. Yeah, they felt like yeah. you should have been doing that, too. It was kind of weird. The, I felt like what he said was right. I felt like he said uh, they're not going to respect you. Yeah. And it wasn't like a, I feel like they as hoes needed that. And I wasn't giving. They needed them that. that dynamic. Yeah, they needed that dynamic. So I don't feel like it was a dig on you them. or them. Yeah, right. I think it was just as hoes. This is a part of hoeing. Like right. you got a nigga because it's because because if you were lazy, because if you were, if you were a woman of the night and you lazy or you having lazy nights, the pimp is on you. Like girl, get your hands up and going out there, yeah, 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 yeah. And as a hoe, you know you might need that. Mm. You made me like, yo, I want, I want him to not, snap out of it. Yeah, yeah. I, want, I need somebody to get me back on my shit if the money ain't right. Yeah, I'm not that guy. So you see it as like they they needed you as an accountability partner. I, that's my that's my assumption. Yeah, like, like I feel like the dynamic of that of the yeah. pimp whole relationship is like that. But I was definitely not a pimp. Yeah, you were. Let's a simp. be clear. You I was a simp. I was an employee. Yeah, I just worked for them. Luckily, I never had. I obviously looked scary enough because nothing yeah. ever happened. I never yeah. had to run down on nobody. Nobody ever ran down on me. You provided a service. That's it. Yeah, I wasn't. When yeah. did you? When did you become a comedian? And what was that like? Man, I was short lived as fuck. Yeah. So people meet me and they're like, "Man, you funny as hell. You should tell jokes." And I let them gas me up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Y'all ain't ever tell these jokes." So. I don't even remember the jokes I told. I just know that my by this time, my ex-wife was my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she might have been on the cusp of being pregnant. Yeah. At that time. Like yeah. it was like in that space. And the homies, I had I had my, my girl came through, the homies came through. My, like my people, I had people there. You know. You had an audience. Yeah, I brought people with me. And uh the young lady who put together the the, the showcase. The showcase was from my hometown. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot to prove, mm-hmm. man. You talking about crash and burn? Shit. <laughs> I like we are listening. That was like, I, that, like <sighs> that's trauma, nigga. That's that's trauma, nigga. Like I was, that was that night was brutal. That night was brutal. That shit was brutal. Cause I knew I was gonna kill it too. I got on stage. <clears throat> I ain't even have a name. I yeah. was like, who is who should name that nigga? <laughs> Already sitting in the wrong tone. I get on stage. I don't even know how to tell a joke. Like, for real. Like, now I couldn't tell you a joke. Yeah. Like, I couldn't. They'd be like, you'll make me laugh. I would crumble. I wouldn't know mm-hmm. what to do. So, I definitely didn't know then. So, I'm telling jokes. I can't remember the jokes I was telling. I just know that they weren't good jokes. And the audience was not shy about letting me know that shit. Yeah. So, somebody was like, nigga, you ain't funny. And I was like, oh. 
So my response to it, I think invited more. It's <laughs> it's gay dude in the front row, and he just like, oh my god, he just gave it to me. He just gave it to me. I, I was nothing I could do. He was making jokes, and I was like, yeah, man, you know. So I'm trying to joke back about him being gay, but he know he gay, so he don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Uh, that's why you gay. I was like, yeah, that's why you gay. Some, some shit like that to that degree. He was like, and? That's, that, that, you still ain't funny. It's killing me. Then I'm like, I was like, yo, man. Uh, I said, yo, man. Some, so some, I was like, man, don't make me fuck you up, man. Like, in a playful manner, he was like, how you know I don't want you to? <laughs> Everything I was saying, this nigga was just like gaying it up. And I was just like, yo, you're killing me right now, bro. And I don't know what else I said, but every, everything I said, he turned that shit into some like gay shit. And the audience, this nigga got to stand there. Oh, I just was out there like, yo, hey, me looking stupid. I was like, and I could look at my people facing the crowd and knew I failed. <laughs> I knew I failed them. I knew they was like, damn, son. I miss Law and Order for this shit. <laughs> I miss Law and Order for this shit. I'm like, yo, so. Everybody says you do co- you do comedy, you crash, you burn. Listen, I didn't go back for another turn. So I'm just keeping it 100. That was enough for me because I don't even argue with gay niggas no more because of that. Like, in real life. You're traumatized. I'm just traumatized. I don't even get into it with gay niggas. Like, if you talking slick and you gay, I just ignore you because I've already experienced the wrath of, like, I have no angles to come at you with. Like, Cause I said I'll fuck you up. He said, "How you know I don't want you to?" <laughs> what? Stop! Quit! Now I'm looking at him like, man, shut up. <laughs> the fuck? So yeah, that was that. Oh. Um, Spike, you know I gotta. It's as long as we've known each other, and we're gonna talk about it on the other side of the break. But I just really appreciate you being comfortable with being raw, right? Because I think that just like you and I talked to talked prior to the show the more people are honest about their experiences the more you protect those who could who would be best served to avoid that yeah this is not a glorification well some of it is because fuck that i made it yeah through all of the shit i'm still here and i stand on that but it wasn't like i woke up one day and now i'm now i'm shibumi media group oh no right it was like all of these experiences contributed to that yeah. For a variety of reasons, you you had you had the ability to do to do it, but you need more than ability to do it. There's also the business side that you had to crash and burn on to realize, you know what, contracts. And that was the first contracts. It was yeah. a bunch of other stuff, scope of work. That's what fucking yes. hit you with just scrivens. I know, and we definitely yeah. got to talk about that. So listen, um, <laughs> audience, thank you so much for joining us here at the Small Talk Big. T- uh, Small Talk Big Names Podcast. I'm here with my guest, uh, Spike Spielberg of Shibumi Media Group. Just having a really great time learning more about him. I've known this guy for quite a while, and I'm still still unpacking and learning more. But I hope that what you're getting getting from today's episode is that, you know, there's, there's multiple um, events in our lives that will lead us down paths that are um, the least traveled, right? But the give back is actually being willing to share that map with the next person. So... We'll join you on the other side. We're going to talk about more more about how we met. We're going to talk about where you are right now and kind of what's that content that you're putting out there and who's that audience, right? But more importantly, I'm going to ask you, what was your day one? All right. See you on the other side. My buddy. 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 My buddy.
my buddy and kid sister. Eat sold separately from Play School. Hi, and welcome back to Small Talk Big Names. With your host, Nijay, I'm here with Spike Spielberg of Shibumi Media Group. So, Spike, let's talk about when we met. Uh, okay. It was, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Like it was yesterday. I was at Fulton County. And I needed a I needed someone to produce a project that I was working on. Hold on. Let me let me tell you my version first. Oh yes, yes. It was a balmy fall afternoon. Oh. I was sitting on the front porch sipping a hot cocoa mm-hmm. and my phone rang. Mm. And I heard the most lovely voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. She you were working I was I don't know, I think I had just started really fucking around on Craigslist. Yeah, Man. I found you on a Craigslist. Yeah. Wow, that's so funny. Like, we're friends. I'm a Craigslist friend. The <laughs> fuck out of here. This is a, Frank, this is a Craigslist friendship. It worked out. Sometimes it did, yeah. our, our friendship is not the, the, the bed bug ridden couch that you got for 40 bucks. We're well, like that one thing that you bought that was really good that you got to deal with. Off on. of Craigslist. Yeah, that Craigslist thing that you're like, fuck, I came up. I'm still using this. And he's actually right. Um, aside from the bed bugs thing. So, so I contact you through craigslist and the person that picks up is like your assistant is it no i think i didn't start assistant it was because by then i figured it out right and who was your assistant i was my own assistant you were and your assistant had such great customer service i did i, I, I would pick up the phone what was my name it For, wasn't you didn't go by anthony it no was something. it was something else i forgot what my name yeah. was but i would say my name i would like let's say fuck what was it i don't know was it franklin no, it was yeah. like something, I don't know, whatever, yeah. whatever. Let's just say Charles Schwab. Let's yeah. say it. I would say thank you for calling Spike Spielberg Productions. Jonathan speaking. Yeah, it, it was Jonathan. It was Jonathan. Yeah. How may I help you? Yeah. And yes, yes, Mr. Spielberg is out of the office right now. <laughs> But I'll definitely give have him give you a call when he gets back. If you can leave your name, yeah. number, and you know a beef, if there's a, some some information about what you want, and yeah, I'll let him know. No, I think you did a great job of of portraying your entire team. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because because by that time I learned I was I was I was learning that you needed to look bigger to get more money. I, I agree. So I agree. So we we figure out what we're gonna do, set the time, all of that. Things move. First day we meet in the Cascade area at one of our schools, one of the elementary schools in Beecher Hills. I think it was Beecher Hills Elementary, actually. Yeah, it was. It was in the cut. It was in the cut. And I get out, and you pop out with a suit. Because, man, I had to be professional. And it was government, right? Yeah, it was a big deal. It was, oh, somebody from the government found me on Craigslist? I know. Because at that point in time, what I found on Craigslist was, like, no lie. I don't even know if I should say their name. Well, I'll just say a, a, a well-known porn person. Yes. <laughs> reached, like his team reached out to me. It was like, we're going to be shooting in Atlanta. <laughs> Would you like, yeah, are you going to do some shoots for us? Like, I'm like, I was like, I, I don't know. I guess yeah. my hesitation was a no for them. Because I guess in that business is yes, or it's, it's literally yes or no. Right. Anything else you say is no. Right, right. Either you comfortable right. with it or you ain't. But I was definitely like, uh, I don't really know I'm with yeah. that. And they just didn't fuck with me. But yeah. So we end up meeting at Beecher Hills. And for some reason, they weren't ready, right? Remember that? And it was like, can you come back? Can you give us like two hours? Was it the, I think that was like, I don't think that was the first time. I think it was the second time. Because the first time. Oh, yes. We mm-hmm. actually filmed that video. We did. Yeah. And it was and really it, good. Yeah. And you were filming, it was like about the iWorld project and everything yeah. that I was doing with the Global Youth Leadership Program. And then like our next shoot together was closer to downtown because we had to come back. We was on Bankhead. It was on Bankhead. We had and to come back sad. and we ended up killing time at Thumbs Up. 
and we sat at thumbs up for hours. For hours. And I, I told her that first day we, the second day we hung out. Uh, I'm a pretty cool guy. I'm a pretty cool guy. Because at first, if you've ever seen this year, she's a very attractive woman. I was like, man, she's hot. But when I started talking to her, I was like, no, this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> because I was, I think I was in a space in life where it needed to be easy. And I was like, this is not easy. This is, this is a whole nother job. So I immediately shifted yeah. early into friend mode. Like, no. So I yeah. was like, I'm a really cool guy. Yeah. I'll tell you, you're going to like me. That's what I said. I said, I'm a really cool guy. You're going to like did. me. Yeah. And we have been friends ever since. Ever since, uh, yeah. Najir has been, I would say, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even like hesitate to, or, or put any pause. Like, she's the person who believed in me enough to make me believe in me. Because at first, oh, wow. it was really just me just doing. Mm-hmm. When I met you, you was like, yo, this is really good. I was like, yo, you're like really hyping me up. I don't know how to feel about this. Cause... <laughs> kind of like they did when you became a comedian. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Because everybody's like, oh, you're funny. But no, you was like, yo, you should do this. Mm-hmm. And not only did you like verbally support, like like vocally and emotionally support, like financial, like mm-hmm. she didn't bought me equipment before. She invested in my business. Mm-hmm. When I didn't have money, she gave me money. She still for has the a, business, For the right? business. Yeah. She gave me money to, to, to buy equipment and do shit. And she still is a solid partner. Yeah lifelong solid partner of my business so but remember like the first purchase was the bag because remember you used to carry your equipment in like a jan sport and i was I like did. yeah you got it, we got yeah it. You, you upgraded me because <laughs> i definitely because like then that's all that's crazy because all a part of the process like yeah. i started out like you said i had like a regular ass lame ass book bag with yeah. no protection no nothing it was just i just it was so weird yeah thinking back now i'm like how was i even living like that but you were pretty ingenious, though, because you created things out of PC, PCV, remember? Excuse me. That uh-huh. was so nasty. Yeah. But remember you created things out of PCV? PVC. 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 PCV. PVC. Yeah. Yeah, I used to make the equipment myself. Yeah. Because I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't afford the... Because, like, at this time, I think DSLRs. I think I had... By the time I met you, I had an X... I had a Panasonic DVX 200, I think. Mm. And that shit was like on this last leg. Mm-hmm. And I had got introduced around that time. I saw a video shot by Motion Family. Uh, shout out to them. I never met them guys before, but I definitely seen their videos. I feel like, I don't know about other parts of the country or the world, but I feel like Motion Family brought, like, made the DSLR a thing in Atlanta. Really? Like, oh, they, they were the first persons I saw that shot videos on DSLRs and the quality level was crazy. So they would shoot videos for this cat named Pill. They did, uh, I want to say Motion Family did All Go Everything by Trinidad James. Like, just that mm-hmm. real filmic, like, they mm-hmm. was, It was very cinematic. That cinematic mm-hmm. feel. 24 frames a second because before this, shit was just regular video cameras on the low end. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, you wasn't uh, using to shoot DVDs, you wasn't using like super good cameras. Like mm-hmm. you probably at the most spent like two or three thousand on the camera. Yeah. But when the DSLRs came into the game, it was like you were spending, I don't know, maybe like four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, thousand wow. bucks. I would say I would cap it like a thousand. I think the five D probably was more. They was more expensive. The seven D was pretty expensive, like seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred. But you could get like the T two eyes and shit like that, mm-hmm. and they were they weren't as good as what they were shooting, but to get close enough to it yeah. yeah so like when you when the camera got smaller 
it was harder harder to hold it steady. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you needed something to put the camera on to keep the camera steady to add weight to it. Mm-hmm. And they sold these little shoulder mount shits, and I was like, man, I saw how they made theirs, and I just went to Home Depot and looked on the pile. On the, <laughs> I just walked up and down the plumber aisle and picked all the parts I needed and put it together. And that was my thing. And I, made it work, yeah, yeah. I sold a couple. Some people bought some. One dude, I can't remember his name was Ivory. I can't remember his last name. You punk son of a bitch. You might want to edit that out, but I still feel a way about that. Like I gave him my my thing that I made, and he just fronted. He ain't never give me my money. He a mm. sucker. Just for that, you a sucker. Mm. Like ain't nothing worse to me than somebody who don't pay. Mm-hmm. Like if you do the work, man, pay, man. Yeah. Anyway. I so so yeah so so we went from there and you're absolutely correct i always believed in your work because i think your stuff is really good and i think that you have a genuine interest in making it better it's not just good because i i can do it it's like i can do it better than that give me a minute i'll give, do it better than that um and then i cut go ahead i wasn't saying anything. i was leaning for it oh and then so immediate investor and then you kind of brought me in as like, hey, can you help me with these customers? That, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I've, had, I've done some customer management work f- with you, right? Just because you wanted a certain tone or you wanted to, to, to get away from a lot of the back and forth. Like as a creative, I think it's like, I don't want to know the details. I'm yeah, focused on getting the no, work done. I forgot all about that. Hurdle. Yeah. That was a huge one for me. It is still now. That's yeah. why I think I'm very selective about who I work with. Because I don't want to work with somebody who's like difficult. Yeah. And early on, I didn't have the skills mm-hmm. to to manage it. Like I didn't know what I know now makes it a lot easier for me. Yeah. Like what I know, the practices that I use now, I get a lot of shit out up front. Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta be, way like, ahead of yeah, it. Yeah. Be super clear, so there is no opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. and put a price tag on that shit. Yeah. Like I had a client recently who tried to finesse <laughs> and it's like his business. It's like, uh, I, I didn't even acknowledge the explanation. I yeah. just was clear about the fact that you had to pay for it. Yeah. Like, I don't like you're, you're, you're whatever you're saying around trying to make this happen. I don't even care. Right. Because at the end of the day, you just, it's you, still coming yeah, back to this. Amount. It's, we yeah. coming back to this part. Yeah. Where you owe it. Like you have to pay, like if this is what you want, this is what you're paying for. Yeah. And then back then I didn't really have the, Shit, I didn't have the knowledge to know what questions to ask. Yeah. To like to to like put together a proper creative brief to get the information yeah. that you need, the base information yeah. that you need to even start on a project. Yeah. Like, and it's like you figuring this out as it go, and you mm-hmm. working with people who don't know because you didn't ask, and they've never thought about that. Right. So they're coming up with it on the fly, and it's just like this this bottleneck trickle of information mm-hmm. and just drag the fucking process out ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my god. Yeah. So when I met you, we made it work. I feel like you brought a whole lot of like order. Like, yeah. like she was like, uh, "This is how we're doing it." And if they don't want to get it done like that, then whatever, they're yeah. not dealing with us. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, all right, if you say so." And people adjusted to you, right? They adjusted what was necessary to contract you, and that that was the goal. And another reason I feel like you helped dramatically is because during that time, my money was funny, and. I would try to get every job because I know I needed the money and having you there to say, like, I would, I would not even know about the work. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, you would, you would say how much money do you want to get? And mm-hmm. I would say, tell you numbers like anything below that. She's like, I'll never, I'll, I'll never even tell you about it. You'll never know it even happened. Yeah. And that helped a lot yeah. because when, if you out here and you are trying to pull it together, mm-hmm. 
the last thing you want to do is let some dollars slide by, but they, they, but you have to. You have to let some dollars slide by. You have to let some of them jobs go because from my experience, what will happen is you'll get caught up uh, in some low-paying or just not functional situation, yeah. and when the right situation comes, uh, you'll still be enthralled in this fuckery. Yes, yeah. And you will have to, you would, you would be have, you'd have to be willing to give this client away because you're going to, like, that, that job is going to crash and burn. Yeah. Like, if they offered you, I don't know, 1200 and another job that's far more, like, it's a more creative project, it's better put together, it's more money, uh, and they come to you, this other project is... It's just draining your resources. It's draining, it, and it's like, and if you're, as a business owner, if you have multiple people working for you, then you can push that shit off with somebody else. But if it's just you, like, when I started out, because now it's still me on a lot, but I have people that I could tap. That you things. trust. Yeah. I have yeah. a team of people that I can reach out to and pull together, like, uh, the power, like the power Rangers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We help each other out when we can. Mm-hmm. But uh, back then, no. It was yeah. just me. So yeah. you could get caught up in some bullshit and miss out. Like, you could underlevel on both and, then, yeah. and and actually miss out on any future opportunities. Right. For them. Right. And that's really what it's about. You want to make sure that uh, it's easier. Well, it's easier to keep a client than it is to get a new one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you um, could keep them happy and keep them coming back and keep them spinning, that's right. what's up. So, so so what are you doing now? Right now, um, I freelance edit mm-hmm. for stuff that doesn't require me to do a whole lot because I want the freedom and time to create things that I want to create. I have a YouTube channel that I started called Mercenary Edits. Uh, it's a channel like throughout my I want to say throughout my career maybe like the second half of my career or the third yeah second half of my career second quarter of my career I, a lot of people would say to me hey man you know a lot you should tell people about this and I would be like man everybody know what I know I never felt like I knew more than the next dude knew but it's people like that that don't know anything about mm-hmm, what I do mm-hmm. and you're like you were one of the people who mm-hmm. were pushing like hey you should do a YouTube channel and I, so I did it and the channel is really just uh, focusing on the business side of it. Because mm. I feel like it's enough people out there to tell you how to uh, Get that shoot shot. a video or what your, what your setting should be and all that. It's tons of people to tell you to do that. But it's not a lot of people telling you like, hey, man, these are the things you should have in your contract. Uh, you should have a contract. These are these are ways that you could position yourself to get a bigger bag. Uh and also bridging the gap between like these, I also want to create tools that could bridge the gap between the uh, client and the and the and the service provider, because maybe now I don't know it could be better. But when I was like really in that part of it, communicating with the the people who made money were able to communicate with the people who had money, mm. and the people who did what I did who were good at what I they, they were great. But they didn't make the amount of money because they could not communicate with the people with the money. Mm-hmm. They needed it in between. Yeah, that's like, the, where the funding decisions lie. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even the funding decisions. It's just the translation of information. Okay. Like, he's talking purely tech. And this person gives a fuck about tech. They like, can you, you know, mm-hmm. I want you to rub my back and slap my ass and mm-hmm. tell me everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that part of it is big. Like, mm-hmm. like. I feel like I, I made some good moves because I was able to do that. And I noticed that like people who couldn't talk weren't really making money. And I, I always said that I don't feel like I'm the best at what I do, but I feel like I'm really good at talking to people. Mm-hmm. So I was able to 
get in to certain situations just purely off the merit of talking like, mm-hmm. yo, and then like figure it out as you go. And it all worked out. I don't know. I don't know if you're talking about before. I'm totally off track. Off track off well, no, I was asking what you're doing now, but I think that that's a really great way to to close out the segment. No, 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 no. I really want to talk about what I was doing. Hold yeah. on. Give me yeah. a second. Like, I don't know if you can edit this. I feel like I'm, I feel like such a do saying. Can you edit this? I'm going to edit a lot of your shit. Really? Out. Yeah. Man. Was that bad? <laughs> no, it was really uh, good. No, it wasn't. But, uh, well, the YouTube channel is yeah. to educate people on the nuances of what I do from a, from like a, a money side. Like, like I said, I feel like there's enough people out there telling you how to shoot a video. It's not a lot of people telling you how to make money shooting video. And some of it is just to educate, expose, because I did career day at my oldest daughter's school. And when I was talking to the kids, they just was like, what do you do? And I told them, they was like, man, I never even knew that existed. I was like, yeah. And I was telling them about the food shoes. They're like, where? I heard they put glue in the cereal or some, you know, yeah. whatever, something like that. But it's like to be able to expose those, because when I was that age, man, listen, the, the person marine who biologist. Came, a marine biologist came to my school yeah. and an international man of mystery. And I've chose, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, but um, like the career day wasn't like it is now. Like yeah. it's so many different things. And I feel like this is something that, video in the right capacity or film in the right capacity, not just in movies. There's a lot of money out here, man. Mm-hmm. Like if, especially now, especially now because, uh, the internet has made commerce mm-hmm. <coughs> happen in a third party space. Mm-hmm. Like you and the object are oftentimes not in the room. And the best way for you to figure out what that object is or what that service is or whatever it is is for them to present it to you in a video. Mm-hmm. So damn it, everybody, like not even damn it, like everyone uses video to sell their mm-hmm. product. You just need to figure out where they're going to buy their video. Mm-hmm. Like how was that done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I took a job at this company and I learned about food photography and mm-hmm. I had no idea this existed before I did it. But that's the thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like they spend a, like ridiculous amounts of money on mm-hmm. this. It's it's insane. Like yeah. it's really not because if you think about food, like how are you gonna sell it? Like if you walk in and pass a restaurant, the smell could sell you, right? If they're giving out taste, like uh, samples, samples, the taste yeah. could bring you in. But if you sitting on the couch, how are they gonna get you to right. want this to right. make it look fucking amazing? Yeah, and that's what they do. And there's a lot of money. I yeah. did. This is one place I went to in New York. Uh, they had. I think they did uh, a 30 second and like maybe two 15 second commercials, but they were, they were very, I don't know. I think one of them, they were all tabletop, but the longer, the the, the shorter the long is that it was like, I want to say 45 to 60 seconds worth of finished product. That shit was $475,000. Wow. Like, that's damn near half a million dollars. Yeah. And when I saw that number, I was like, that's crazy. Now, granted, of that $475,000, total profit, like your profit, like your, your, your net profit, is it net or gross? Net. Net. Net profit. Mm-hmm. It's not $40,000, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Even if it's 100. Right. Fucking right. 80. Right. <laughs> like, right. But to see that that amount of money is being spent and there aren't any of our faces in this space. Yeah. Like when I started working at the place that I was working at, I was the black guy. Yeah. And the places that I would go to, I was the black guy. Yeah. And 
I feel like it's not it's 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 based it's it's one hundred percent based on lack of exposure. Like you just don't know it's there. Like no one is telling you that, hey man, if you could shoot a TikTok video with food in it, you could add a few dollars to the setup, bring in some lights, and like you could shoot this on a level that they would really pay you a lot of money for this. Mm-hmm. Like it's this place in Austin, Texas. I can't remember the name of the place, but the company that I work for would outsource social media content, uh, visual, social, visual social media content, whether it be a photo or video from this place. And I think it was like Cinnabon or some shit like that needed uh, 10 pieces of content. This place chart was going to charge them $100,000. So they were going to charge him $10,000 per piece. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Granted, you would just give them like an idea of what you want and they would pitch you mm-hmm. on what these 10 things would be. I mean, there's definitely cost incurred there, but like there, there, there is a value mm-hmm. for that $10,000 mm-hmm. per spot. But the fact that it's 10000 is a lot. And I, I, I go out and I see young cats shooting at events and I can, I can look at the equipment and tell you that you're not getting paid what you should be getting paid. And it's not because your equipment isn't quality. It's because your equipment is quality Mm -hmm. and you're here. Like you should, like, like you shouldn't be here. If you were to trip and fall and break something, or if a lens were to fall and crack, I would, I I would, I would be willing to bet the money you're making tonight wouldn't replace it. Wouldn't cover it. Yeah. It wouldn't cover getting a new one. Mm -hmm. So that's the part that I feel like is uh, where I want to educate with this YouTube channel is yeah. that man, there are so many different ways to get money. Like right now it's just videos for the sake of, I wouldn't say videos for the sake of making videos. For me, it's videos for the sake of making videos. I just want to get in the groove of creating videos. Yeah. But the videos are more based, you know, like this little five, like tip videos, five mm-hmm. tips, seven tips. But eventually I want to get it to a space where it's like this, like how you have your podcast mm-hmm. and you, you're talking, I want to bring in creative people mm-hmm. and, just had him talk about creativity. Yeah. Like have that this wild conversation about how did you get into it? The the highs, the lows, establish. What do you wish somebody would have told you in the first hundred days? Yes. Yeah. The first hundred days? Man. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to answer that, I don't even know. Yeah. Don't be uh employee. Take the lens yeah. cap off. Well, no, nah, I mean, that's just I mean, like when I started, it was in the limb tab. You had to flip the little button and it slid down. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. But um, yeah. To wrap, I guess I don't know if you want to wrap it up or not, but that's it. To like educate people on the man. There's so many ways to make money. Yeah. Like it's in in this in this particular industry, you don't even have to have the camera. Like you could be a food stylist. You could be a set designer. Mm-hmm. You could be the audio person, the lighting mm-hmm. person, the gaff person. Like all these these people make a lot of money. These roles exist, right? They they, they exist and. If you're doing, I think, in a film world, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with movies and film. I feel like it's a little more demanding mm-hmm. than commercial. Because mm-hmm. commercials don't take, excuse me, mm-hmm. don't take months to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not based around, uh, like some film sets, I would assume that they have wild call times because these scenes are happening at night. Right, And right. we need to be out here at night getting these scenes. Right. Or these, same, or these scenes are happening early in the morning. We need to be out there. So like, we work in the commercial. It's not like that. Yeah. Uh, the people that I work with who worked in film and came over to commercial to do stuff for us, 
they are like, man, these are the easiest days ever. Yeah. Like these, these are like cool, these are cool set days. And yeah. It's, I feel like it's a good opportunity to learn. That's another thing about video I feel like I really, really enjoy. And I would say people, if you into it, like don't not take advantage of that. People hire you to shoot all type of stuff. I've been, I have uh, semi-intimate knowledge about all kinds of shit. Yeah. Just from going to people's businesses and filming them, meeting people and filming them. And because you with them for like if you if you filming you with them for a day two days there's you a, a lot of information life. you can tease out like yeah businesses yeah. you go into businesses and you psh, like I can't even think of anything right offhand but it's just like random shit I know because I was sitting up I know that the garment industry can't come back to America mm. like let it go mm-hmm. like I did this garment conference and one of the keynote speakers was this dude who created this these machines that put pockets on your jeans which is fucking crazy like when you see the machine like oh wow that's crazy that's how they put palm back pockets on but the dude was like uh even if we wanted to bring the garment industry back to america we couldn't because there's no one here and like this was like two generations like in two generations no one knows how to do this yeah so we would still have to bring the people who Mm -hmm. are doing it there here in hopes that people here will want to do the job eventually and it would yeah, go back building to, the workforce. Yeah, they were building like build a workforce mm-hmm. here. So I know that because yeah. I shot a video <laughs> at this textile thing. So it's this weirdness. So Spike, how do people find you? Um, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, it's mercenaryedits.com. Um, oh, excuse me, mercenary edits, not mercenary edits. My YouTube channel is mercenary edits. Um, like social media, it's uh, Shibumi Media. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's group. Well, let me check. Oh, it's not even on the phone. It's got a new phone. I, I think it's Shibumi Media. And that's it. There may be listeners and audience who are saying, I know a young person who's interested in this in this field. Let them start with these tips and see if see if that keeps their interest. Because the business side of things, right, the organization that's necessary to be a business, it's just as important as the time that you need to ideate and the time that you need to produce and the time that you need to push out, right? So people having access to mercenary edits, I think, is important. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think that young people, um, I don't think my content is for you. I mean, I feel like it's for young people, but I feel like if I, if it was me and I was a young person, I would probably get the creative down first. Okay. Because that's going to determine whether the business is even necessary. Yeah. Because if you can't get the tech side down, then. Like the business. Well, then I won't say that because the business side, it's not just applicable to this. I mean, like if you do exactly. anything, exactly, you should definitely have a contract no matter what business you're in. Yeah. But the video that I created was like a contract for video stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah. That's really cool. Well, yeah. Spike, I appreciate you spending time with me today. And if you're just joining, hey, I've had the pleasure of speaking with Spike Spielberg of Shibuya Media Group. Check him out online. He's got some really great tips for not just uh, budding videographers, but those who are more seasoned in the space, who are trying to figure out why am I leaving so much money on the table? There's going to be more content that's coming from him. He is definitely um, building his content rapport throughout Atlanta and just throughout the entire Southeast. But more importantly, he's one of my closest friends. And I really hope that if you get a chance, check him out. Thanks, Spikey. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, Oh, did you know that the f- sentence, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, has every letter in the English alphabet in it. That's the idea. Did you did you know that? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You knew that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. You should do a video on it.
Ese es uno de los videos. <risa> <risa> That wraps up another episode of Small Talk Big Names. On behalf of myself and the entire crew, thank you so much for listening and join us next week for another exciting episode of Small Talk Big Names with your host, Niger.